Matthews, where's that union representative? He's 20 minutes late. I don't know, sir. He hasn't been seen since he promised to clean up the union. Whoa! What the hell? Well, let's look at the contract ourselves, eh? Benefits, perks, a green cookie on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, it didn't used to be this way, Smithers. No, it didn't used to be this way at all. Crack those atoms! You! Turn out those pockets! Atoms! And two, three, four. Six of them! Take him away! You can't treat the working man this way. One day we'll form a union and get the fair and equitable treatment we deserve. Then we'll go too far and get corrupt and shiftless. And the Japanese will eat us alive. The Japanese? Those sandal-wearing goldfish tenders? <laughs> Bosh! Flimsha! Let me tell you something. 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 Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. Greetings, Grapple fans, and welcome! That's right, you've heard the old music, you've heard the old intro, we've finally finished our Meltzer 5 Star project, and now we're back into the swing of things with the first, in just under a year, new episode, traditional episode, of Let Me Tell You Something. I'm your co-host, Lorcan Mullen, and with me, as always, is the Ray Phoenix to my Pentagon Junior, the Sawyer to my Otis, the lack of self-reflection to my Labour Party of 2019, Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how are you doing today, mate? Why'd you have to do it political? It just depressed me again right off the bat, but I'm alright, I'm good. Well, it's been a year. It has. It's been Things a busy have happened. year for us, it's been a busy year for the world. Yeah. And it's been a, a busy year for wrestling. One hell of a significant year for wrestling, really. Uh, it's our tradition at the end of the year to do an end of year review. Even if we haven't done a new episode in the whole year, we always do the year in review situation. And one of the factors and the features that we include at the end of every episode is our predictions for the following year. We're going to rip oh, that plaster off right away and shit. see how both of us did. Simon, do you want to have your predictions read out first or second? Let's get out of the way. Okay, Simon. Do you remember any of your predictions from 2019? I remember one of them. Okay. So your four predictions were that the second all-in event, which we'll consider to be all-out, I suppose, yeah. would have a crowd attendance of over 20,000. Looking at AEW All Out, they had a max attendance of 10,500. Ah. I think they used the same arena as the previous one. Yeah, I was too ambitious. Your next one was that Braun Strowman would win a world title. 
Mm, yeah, no, I didn't get that one. I no. can't count the greatest Royal Rumble. No, of course you can't. Was that this year anyway? All the Saudi events seem to blur into one. No, that was last year because Daniel Bryan had only just come back. Ah, yes. You predicted that Pete Dunne would win the NXT Championship. Optimistic. And we want to talk about optimistic. <laughs> Take into account that this was made in December of 2018. You predicted that that year's Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank. When is Money in the Bank held, Simon? June. You predicted that that would be one by one Tommaso Ciampa. He was hot at the time, all right? <laughs> but he wasn't in Raw or SmackDown, was he, Simon? Well, that doesn't seem to stop them now. If well, we'll talk about like NXT's involvement in those brands as we as we got talk about the year, but okay. Uh, so, oh, and because I'm a glutton for punishment, a little teaser for you all. One of my predictions this year does involve predicting the Money in the Bank winner. Oh goodness me! You've not learned from your lesson from your mistakes. Well, we'll find out if I have or haven't. <laughs> okay, uh, to give you my four predictions. I haven't done much better than you, although maybe the absurdity is not as bad as uh, it was. <laughs> so. Mine are Drew McIntyre winning a world title. On on paper, I can see why you went for that. Mm-hmm. I had Will Ospreay entering the G1 Climax, but I also had a prediction that he would end it with a positive win-loss record. Yeah. Which meant he would get five and four at the minimum equaling 10 points. Unfortunately, he ended his G1 with a 4-5 and five record. Close. So, yeah, I was close, but not close enough. My predi- Another prediction, which is a bit, I don't know, one way or the other, was that Progress Wrestling would further be absorbed into the WWE. <laughs> that hasn't quite happened, but Jim Smallman has left Progress to work full-time for the WWE at this point. So, but Progress itself is still, as far as I'm aware, a separate entity. And still remains a separate entity, really, with Jim Smallman's uh, departure from there. Yeah. So, like, a quarter of a point, yeah. maybe? Yeah, sort of, along with the Will Ospreay one. It's kind of forming towards a correct prediction. And I guess then, if you add a little bit of this one as well, I got one out of four on a technicality. Or okay. three out of four, like, shots on target. Yeah. Which was that WrestleMania 35 would end with Becky Lynch defeating Ronda Rousey via tap out. That was my uh, bold prediction. Okay. But that does lead and into. Maybe, and who knows, maybe that was what was meant to happen. Mm, but that does lead into our first key point of the year, I think, and that has been the ascension of Becky Lynch to essentially being the top figure in the company, the most protected. The most heavily pushed, the most heavily promoted wrestler on the roster. Um, as we close out this year, she's main evented another pay per view with Charlotte against the Kabuki Warriors for the yeah. WWE Women's Tag Titles in the TLC match. I think she's headlined a few other shows along the way. Obviously, she headlined the one where she tagged with Seth Rollins against Strawman, against Corbin and uh, Lacey Evans. Yay. But there in and of itself has been the issue. Um, there is still ultimately a bit of a shallowness in the roster depth of the women's division to build uh, the show around a woman. Meaning that she has to essentially kind of drag up other people or those storyline 
feuds have to be stretched out over a longer period of time than they needed to. Do you get where I'm coming from? Like, Lacey Evans immediately is being put in the main event scene when it's pretty obvious that she should still, at this stage, probably still be in NXT for a bit more seasoning, in all honesty. She's not fully there yet. Uh, as a wrestler, as a, as a character, she's pretty strong, but... yeah. Uh, no, I, I I do agree. I think the whole There's still an awkwardness to her in the ring. Yeah, she was one of those five at the start of the year. They were like, we're we're plucking these stars and going with well, them. She was like a she was the number two entrant in the Royal Rumble, wasn't she? While she was still yeah. in NXT, and I remember at that point they wanted to make her out to be like an equal to Charlotte, and he, who was number one. And even there, there was awkward moments. I remember her trying to do a nip up or something and not quite getting there and everything. And that's not, you know, that's not a slight on her. She's still very new to the whole thing. Yeah. Just as Becky said at the time, uh, Vince likes them blondes. Yeah, he does. And that's the thing. It's her look and she her character is, is good. It's um, she one of those situations. Well. She went a little bit viral, didn't she, with the, uh, with the tickets? Yeah. Although I Which think was... That was faked wasn't it or yeah it was faked but a lot of people thought it wasn't and then we're like i I don't know what wrestling fans want but that's in general um to get back to becky lynch though becky lynch came in start 2019 hot as shit she's leaving 2019 still as protected but i would argue overprotected. i can't remember the last time um i don't think i can't remember the last like Raw Women's title match she had. Yeah, and I think that they've they've owned up to that within the storyline now, saying that Becky herself realises she's being protected a little bit and demanding a title shot uh, for Asuka, who, she, who beat her at the start of the year in the Royal Rumble uh, by submission as well. I remember at the time being surprised how strong they put Asuka over yeah. Becky, given after that she wins the Royal Rumble later on in the night and then goes straight to the Ronda Rousey feud and headlines and ends WrestleMania with the title. Unfortunate elements of that match aside, we'll get to. Um, so they're, they're aware of it themselves. I mean, she still hasn't been beaten for that title since she won it at WrestleMania. Makes you wonder, I mean, the, the, the expectation's obviously always been for a rematch. Mm. And that's, I think, why they had her just pin Ronda Rousey. And I think even though I don't, it wasn't intentional... The fact that Ronda's shoulders weren't on the mat during that three counts will be carried over as a storyline going into whenever Ronda makes her return. Now, I assumed it would be quite a while and that Ronda would... The whole thing now is that she wants to start a family and all that. Yes. And I know she's on um, Diva's reality shows. Yeah, but they film like behind like the, the season finale the two-part season finale involved her finishing at that mania oh is so, that what it ended on yeah oh, so okay. uh, total divas we is a year behind canon, year behind wow i didn't realize it was that far behind um because my tv's not tuned in simon so i don't know <laughs> yeah, <we're off> and <laughs> running. um so maybe she you know i figured if she got pregnant, if that's what she was trying to do, or maybe she has been trying to do it, you don't, you don't want to talk about these things. Uh, that would suggest, at a minimum, 18 months away, maybe two years away. If she's still not pregnant at this point, then I wouldn't be surprised if we see her make an appearance, maybe as a shock number 30 entrant in the Rumble, the Women's Rumble. 
Mm. Oh, 30 would be class. That's that's a shout. Yeah, I could see that. Mm. I, I, I don't find any fault with that logic. And um, from a security perspective, uh, WWE would be certainly glad to have Travis Brown uh, around at the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Of course, she could not. And I do think that given how the Survivor Series went and how now she's dropped the title in NXT, I wouldn't be surprised if Shayna Baszler were to win the Rumble and for her to challenge Becky at, at WrestleMania as sort of a bridge to maybe the next WrestleMania being Becky against Ronda. You know, maybe Ronda will come out in her corner or something. Mm. And like Ronda will like help Shayna. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like because... You've got the other two four horse women that like Becky could like you know valiantly like knock back if they interfere, yeah, yeah. and um, then like have the shock value of Ronda just yeah. coming from the crowd. Unless it's Becky versus Ronda, uh, I can't see WrestleMania being headlined by the women's title match again this year. I have a theory on what the main event will be. Uh, well, I have one too. Let, let's just carry over to our next point, which is probably. Who at various points was the hottest character in the WWE and the most interesting reinvention, as it were, that being the Fiend, the, the new MVP alter. of WWE this year. Um, I think, I think the pro- Bray Wyatt is always both a great strength and a great weakness in many ways. That his character almost supersedes wrestling, and. Almost when you put him in the wrestling ring, that that removes some of the mystique of him. You get where I'm coming from. It yeah. Oh yeah. Like you can't. The, it was like that he's... with the Florida preacher character when they just started making him mingle with the rest of the wrestlers. Yeah. His specialness gradually diminished to the point that he was losing a few to Matt Hardy by the end of last year. Yeah. But now he's. Um... He's well, only wrestled pay per view matches since his return. Yeah, yeah, they have and treated him a lot that. more specially. Just keep it that it, it's working. What it's working? There are minor thing quibbles I have with what they do. Well, but by and large, like it's working. The, ones is. the lighting, the red lighting. Arch. But also, I just don't think he necessarily. I don't know how the character works in a wrestling match, almost because it seems almost wrong for him to sell, but he needs to sell. And the whole thing about now with the fiend alter ego is that Bray's seeing past the pet like he doesn't feel pain anymore. Yeah. And then we also had the debut of Bray Wyatt as a wrestler, the return of Bray Wyatt as a wrestler for the first time in ages at the Survivor Series. I haven't seen the match, but it looks like I assume he sells more and bumps more. TLC, you mean? He didn't. Was it TLC? Was, yeah. Well, it was yeah. Survivor Series where he. Wrestled. No, Survivor Series. He. Um... Oh, it was Fiend against Brian, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people were saying is the best Fiend match, wasn't it? Yes, well, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's a great foil. Um, the, the Fiend, uh, Bray Wyatt versus The Miz was a very different match, with Miz actually getting a lot of offense in. Um, and it's it's just this children's TV character that's just eventually snapped, as per the Firefly Flunhouse, when he has, like, he, he's happy-go-lucky, but then, like, his voice changes for that little bit. Well, it's interesting, like you say, with, with the with the Fiend slash Bray Wyatt character, there are certain influences that are obvious. I mean, he flat-out calls one of his characters, one of his puppet characters, Waylon, uh, alluding to the Waylon Mercy inspiration. Yeah. There's That's obviously... Buzzard. Yeah, yeah. That's no, Mer- Mercy the Buzzard. That's Mercy it. the Buzzard. There's obviously a lot of mankind 
in there down to the point that he uses the mandible claw as a finisher that the first time he used that was against Mick Foley uh, in a sneak attack there's some early Kane there especially with the red lighting that was what Kane wrestled in in his first match against Mankind at the 97 Survivor Series they ditched it then I'm surprised they haven't decided to ditch it again now yet uh, well, we'll see when the Fiend next wrestles, what yeah. they do. Um, I think there's elements... I've always thought there's elements of Doink the Clown, the heel version in there, and the sudden snapping, which Matt Bourne was so good at doing. Yeah, And I, I think his tights are almost an homage to the Doink the Clown character. Mm. And also the fact that, you know, there is a clownish element to a, the kids' TV presenter as well. Well, it's, red and black are like Freddy Krueger colours as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, and there's... It's like a demented Mr. Rogers, Sesame yeah. Street sort of character as well, and the and the the piped in audio or the kids are going yay at random moments when he actually does stuff with kids. That's pretty brilliant. Like when they had the the puppets playing with Mrs. Daughter, yeah, and everything that was really really good. Um, I think what I thought with the Bray Wyatt character starting to wrestle was my way of thinking. Now, this is a good way of them having him lose the belt without losing the mystique and the invulnerability of the Fiend character. Yeah. Because they have painted the Fiend as essentially invulnerable given what happened to him with Seth Rollins in Hell in a Cell. In that he actually does take a shit kicking, but he never gets affected by it or he never gets... Mm. Well, that's part... <sighs> I don't want to compare it to versus Channing, uh, that Dredrick Tatum, mm. but... That maybe is the Fiend's strategy. I know I can absorb this. I'm just going to let you wear yourself out. Mm. Um, um, well, they had him beat Finn Balor in like three minutes, didn't they, at the SummerSlam where he debuted. I was always, I was very surprised that they kept elements of the Bray Wyatt character in the entrance. Like, he still comes out with a lamp. It's just now the lamp is a, a head, his old, head. His old version of himself. Uh, the the this entrance music is still the same song. It's just a remixed version of it. It's a cover version. We well, can't get rid of the banger. Like, and it works. Yeah, and like I've always said, the WWE is better than any other promotion has ever been, until maybe recently with New Japan at presenting a character with their entrance, with how you film their entrance, with how you dress them, how you market them, how you shoot them from below to make them look big, you know, all those sort of yeah. different elements, giving them different characteristics, trying to give them unique colour schemes, which they've done less of in recent years, but there's still an element of that in there. You know, there is a difference between Brian Danielson, the wrestler, and Daniel Bryan, the WWE superstar. There are differences to this day in that. Yeah. Uh, even though Daniel Bryan now does look freakishly a lot like... <laughs> 2006 Ring of Honor Brian Danielson and Orange Cassidy. weird to witness um but yeah I, I um the, but there are issues within the Fiend's character they didn't need to put him in the world title situation I don't know why they felt the need to do that and when they did they booked themselves into a corner they didn't have to which led to the super controversial Hell in a Cell oh, finish Christ. which oh. led so what I've got down as my next point, which was the eventual heel turn of the guy that had been pushed as the male face of the company, both from a marketing standpoint and as the top baby face in Seth Rollins. Now, just before we jump to Seth Rollins, I do think you're I do want to say I do agree with your point 
uh, about not putting the Fiend in the title picture, especially when you had Brock on the other side with the belt off. It's mm. pointless. But um, I have more hope of what Bray can do with the belt because at least he's on TV every week than what I would with Brock. So <laughs> what I'm trying to say... Brock's on TV most weeks, it feels like, these days. Yeah. Well, at the very least, Paul Heyman is. Uh, but... And he does, you know, like you say, he doesn't wrestle matches just like Brock Lesnar. And so, I do have, as a, I do have a theory about how this all culminates, but I, I can't really share it in this section of okay. the podcast. Um, but yeah, to get to Seth Rollins at this point, ultimately he'd been the Beast Slayer, the King Slayer. You know, as he points out, he was he not only beat Brock Lesnar once this year, he beat him twice. And at Mania when he did it, it was such a like, oh my god, we've opened with this. Oh my god, this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, just a shock of, yes, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll ride with this. He's got the belt. Cool, and, let's and just then go. Brock wins it off him with the money in the bank after ghetto blastering his way around. That's <laughs> what he wants. One of my favourite moments is when he does the tease cash-in on Raw and Paul slips out that, oh, it could be any time within the next year and Brock's about to cash in and he goes, Oh, he grabs the mic and goes, I get a year. <laughs> and he's just like, mouthing off at Paul. And Paul's just like, how could you not know? <laughs> I thought you knew. <laughs> that was good. That was a good little angle. Um, but yeah, and, and they, you know, they put, you thought that they were just going back to the old, same old, same old with Brock, which is what they've en- ended up doing with him on SmackDown. That is Vince's default, but they didn't this time. They gave Seth another win, and they they pushed him hard. Like no one, I think, has two consecutive, essentially consecutive. Don't count his Money in the Bank cashing as a separate match. Um, fair and square, clean in the middle of the ring, pinfall victories over Brock Lesnar. I can't think of anyone else that has that in the modern era. Uh, Cena beat him once at Extreme Rules. Roman Reigns. Sort of beat him, had him beat in various situations, but ultimately only pinned him once to win the Universal title. And then unfortunately had to vacate it almost immediately after. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think there is. Exactly. I, I, nothing comes to mind. So no one's been given a harder push in that regards than Roman uh, than Seth Rollins at that moment. So they put everything into him. Everything that you need to do to give them the top babyface uh, treatment. And then... He's a heel a few months later because he doesn't know when to keep his mouth shut on Twitter. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting to see how social media has bled into the presentation of Seth Rollins and how they they we've stood it for so long and it's like we have no we we can't not turn him heel. We're we're, we're knackered if we don't. I think as much as anything, it's very often the case that the person that is presented as the one that Vince loves the most and is protecting the best is ultimately then made the um, public enemy number one to the disgruntled fan base. That was what happened with John Cena. That was what happened with Roman Reigns. And now that's what's happening with Seth Rollins. It hasn't happened yet to Becky Lynch. Yeah. But I don't think it's impossible that that could happen in the near future. What's interesting, though, unlike Cena and Reigns, is that Vince has gone with it and given us the heel turn. And played into some of those backstage rumors, like you know, his essential, the start of his heel turn, essentially being when he gave the uh, anti-pep talk to the Raw roster after they lost. So good. And 
that's got to be a reference to the rumor that was going at the time that Seth gave a um, a pep talk at the like a backstage meeting after the Saudi yeah. uh, farce, which Seth then refused. Refused, and I think Meltzer apologized for it. Yeah, I think it could turn out that he genuinely did try and say something, but maybe not a full speech. Um. And that's one of the list of targets he's gone after this year. He's he's had beef with Meltzer. He's had that weird thing with Will Ospreay. Well, he's had it uh, all year and the previous year. Like, the basic problem is that Seth Rollins is willing to be the company man. But I think that everyone knows that Seth knows this is horseshit. It's, it's kind of like Emily Thornberry defending the Labour Party's Brexit stance. You know, it ultimately <laughs> becomes laughable at the moment after a while. Yeah. Because you know that he's saying something that either... He knows isn't the case. He knows that that Hell in the Cell finish sucked. Yeah. But he can't say it. Or he's completely drunk the Kool-Aid and then he's not one of the fans anymore. Like, the fans have always seen... Like, the, the fans like... The, a lot of the time, the fans like the ones that come up from the indie scene because they see themselves in them, you know? Yeah. That's, that's been the same, really, from Edge and Christian and the Hardys onwards. There's always been that strata of wrestlers that you can tell are kind of nerdy guys... You know, the Up, Up, Down, Down collective, I suppose, at this point. And you feel like they're a part of it. Yeah. But Seth seems... It's kind of like when... Uh, one of the analogies I always like is when the guy... When one of your friends suddenly gets a girlfriend for the first time. And they don't really hang out with you anymore. <laughs> and then when the girl breaks up with him, he comes back and tries to act like nothing's happened. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my mates often said when uh, one of my other friends started a relationship I'll like, oh, we'll see you in a year then it's like oh, that's not true that's not true but... so Seth has now gone with it and now we've got Seth in, uh, with the AOP as his muscle and it seems like a really promising character and it feels like because he's so good and there's obviously some catharsis in Seth Rollins yeah. getting to be that heel what I'll be curious to see is if he starts to tone down his wrestling moves again you know because he can't be yeah. doing three, you can't be doing three consecutive toe pays unless you want to get the crowd cheering for you you know well that's so, wrestling but it's in also, general like. but it also needs to be a different version to the seth heel than the authority guy because that was the whiny entitled brat this yeah. needs to be the smug arrogant guy at the top who, who well the guy who's essentially doing the right not, thing. he wasn't the head of the authority faction yeah. whereas now he needs to be the head of this faction i'm shocked he hasn't decided to call the group the new shield to really piss off the fans and say like this is the true shield and then you know roman's on smackdown so he can't do anything and obviously that would be right. such a great heel move yeah you're right do it but i think there's great a great move. angle and if you write it well uh, can make everyone look good with the old J and J security turning up at one point. Like uh, for for whatever reason, they're like uh, book a six man where Kevin has his partners assigned <laughs> by Seth, and it's J and J. You could call them the Shield. You could call them the Sword. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Sword. I think New Shield is better or Shield three point or no, 2.0, because obviously uh, Shield 2.0 is what JBL called Seth and J&J Security. Mm. So that that could link into J&J actually getting involved from a storyline perspective. So uh, is this the future of wrestling now, that guys go heel or face based on their online personalities? Because that is essentially what happened with Becky Lynch. Yep. And it's the inverse of that. Although Becky didn't turn... Well, I guess she sort of did turn heel in the 
storyline's eyes, but not in the fans' eyes. Uh, yeah, it's not just online, though. She turned heel at SummerSlam, and everyone was like, yeah, kick Charlotte's head in! Yeah, and then her Twitter work kind of made fans love her even more as yeah. time went on. And it's been the inverse with her boyfriend, Seth. And that's a funny thing, because like, they, they haven't played up, and I don't think they will play up the couple elements again. again. I think they didn't like it. Uh, they didn't want to do it. it. Yeah. I think they said in interviews. And it I was think it's, clunky as hell. It's clunky, even though they had a good match with Corbin and, and Evans. I think it's not... It doesn't work for the Becky Lynch character to have a man. She's the yeah. man. She doesn't need a man. It doesn't work. Uh, You're right. It's like she's a lone wolf. That's yeah, her thing. That's, yeah, the whole thing is that she doesn't need anyone. Like, when she teamed with Charlotte, it was... Re- well, after she tried to do it on her own, it was like, right, okay, I... Let's... Let, let, I, I, I will be working with you, but this is just for this, yeah. and I still don't like you. So, that was Seth. Um, but what also... Well, let's, let's move away from WWE for a while. We'll come back to it. Um, let's talk about their big competition... And like you say, when Seth's being the WWE mouthpiece, very often it's in response to what's happening with the opposition because there is an opposition now in AEW. A new promotion was born on New Year's Day, and by the end of the year, they're on national TV. They have a TV show. They've got they've had pay per views. They've got a following. They're involved in a Wednesday night wars essentially with NXT. Yeah, there is an alternative, and they have people like John Moxley. In their show. Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho. Uh, and those two are the two that are currently in the top few for the world title, having previously been Jericho versus Cody. Mm, wow. Well, so there are Not obvious, a confirm, but it looks like it's going that way. There are obvious issues both within the fan base itself and within the promotion. There is some desire to shit on them unnecessarily, and this factionalism is just pathetic and ridiculous, but it's also a very small number of people. Yeah, it's just knackering. Negativity's knackering. But sometimes, the, I mean, TNT themselves didn't add, didn't they, where they were, like, quoting uh, critics saying it was better than NXT. So there's a bit of, you know, and Cody smashes a throne of Triple H, you know, a, a Triple H-shaped throne and all that sort yeah. of stuff. They play up to it when they want to, and then they try to dissociate themselves from it when it gets toxic. So you got to, you know, you, where, where, where are you playing it up and down? There are issues there. There's um, storyline problems. There are there's too much fifty fifty booking, and there's a shallowness in the roster that needs yep. to be addressed as quickly as possible. Main but this is main. A, this is a decade long project. Yes, I think I think they're in here for the long haul. Unless TNT stop airing the show and they don't have a TV slot, then they could end up dying out like WCW did. Mm. But that's a diff- it'll be a different situation. You know, well, I like to think the the Jacksonville Jaguars guys will uh, f- the Carns will find something or work something out. Like there 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 will be a plan if, yeah. if that all fell through. Main problem. Main TNT problem. Apparently, are just delighted with what they've got at the yeah. moment. It's crazy now that just under a million viewers is basically a success these days. Yeah. The main problem. Oh, it's TV uh, and the internet for you. The main problem AEW has. And I will start talking about more positives because I don't want to like like focus on negatives. The main problem it has, as someone who has watched week to week to week to week, is it wants you to watch more stuff, but it then doesn't properly allude to that stuff. It just mentions it in passing, like yeah, Hangman meant, Page leaving the Elite, for you example. You watch Being the Elite, aren't you? Yeah, and like AEW Dark 
is canon as well in some senses because well, Sunday uh, Night Heat was canon on Raw. Yeah. But the question is, but, do they show, do they, and I didn't get Sunday Night Heat when WWF was in like ninety nine. But if there was a key storyline, they would show you this is what happened on Heat. Do they not do that on AEW? Not really. But great example. Do that. Great example is uh, the two new recruits to the Dark Order. Uh, they were having a losing streak on a AEW Dark, and when they had their clip in the hotel room uh, before they got recruited where the guy's talking to him for the room service telly um they go oh yeah you're on a losing streak and then they talk about jr and excalibur and tony talk about how they were on a losing streak after the clip uh sort of thing but maybe just like a little just 20 seconds of them losing just just pinfall loss pinfall just show the like the fall well, you can't show that before them because then it spoils the surprise yeah, but um, like their membership. Okay, maybe a poor example, but like after or something. Yeah, like. after you explain it as, as it goes along. Um, I think but, the, the, this that, is the interesting thing though, because that whole Dark Order segment has been shat upon by the fans. Mm. It basically got shat upon from the start. The Dark Order's never really been popular. You know, this, this reinvention of the Super Smash Bros. A lot of people think they look a bit naff, particularly um, Evil Uno. Um. At what point do they just cut their losses and either repackage them back as the Super Smash Brothers and make them a mid-card fun act? Or do they just, you know, at some point, they're going to start releasing talent and wishing them the best in their future endeavours. When does that start happening? And is 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 it going to be a situation like the Dark Order, we tried, it failed? Because that's the whole thing. Like I think weirdly, because they're trying to keep everyone happy, that's leading to the 50-50 booking... And it's also not making stars. Like, a lot of people are saying that, weirdly, the Young Bucks and Cody and Omega are being too generous in losing too often to try and bring up these other guys when, more than anything, it's dragging them down to their level. You know, it's that weird balancing act. And it's also a case of you never, you know, can you ever win in this situation? I, I disagree with Cody... And the Bucks, pers- like, in a well, sense... The Bucks, the Bucks lost the first round of the tag team title tournament to Private Party. I think they had to, looking back. I think they had to lose the first round. Uh, well, it just... Because people... I think people would have tuned in going, oh, well, the Bucks will be there. And I think you'd get more people paying attention if the Bucks aren't there so quickly. I'm, I'm, I, I could accept I'm coming from, like, the... Cup half full side. There the is cup. that problem. There is that problem though that if you hold off on pulling the trigger too long, like it's obvious. I think at some point they want Kenny Omega to be their top guy. Probably, I think Omega more than anyone is most likely to beat Jericho. But in the build-up, they need him to lose to get there, and then he's just not. He doesn't feel as special as when he give him something to do. That's yeah. the problem. But he has you assume to that's do. what. The, that's what the Hangman Page feud's about. Yeah. But what they're realising is that ultimately figures have to be sacrificed to make other people look good, and that can ultimately be their job. Yeah. Whereas they want to make this out as the land of milk and honey and where everyone can go to and become the star that they always knew they were going to be. At and that's not reality. At some point they're going to have to tell Moxley that he's going to have to lose a couple of matches. I don't think he necessarily would mind. He doesn't necessarily mind that. If you look at he went on a bad losing streak at the end of the G1 Climax. He won five in a row and then lost four in a row. Yeah. To guys like Hiroki Goto, you know? 
So and it looks like he ultimately blew it. You know, you had yeah. your shot and you blew it. He was like the Newcastle United 1996 team of G1 Climax entrance. I'd love it if he beat them. <laughs> <laughs> hey! Um, he, um, uh, and so we should get to that as well, of course. The AEW New Japan situation with the exodus of Omega, the Hangman Page, the Young Bucks, Cody, all losing and taking the fall at the end of their Wrestle Kingdom show. Uh, and then Kushida a day later as he went off to NXT. Yeah. Um, um, so New Japan has had to deal with a slightly shallower roster. Just before we do fully go in to New Japan, I just want to have a quick final thing on AEW. Um, I think it's had a good year overall. I think it's starting to lose a little bit of its momentum. And maybe well, it's, this new year... It's not- it's not special. It's not new anymore. Yeah. This New Year resetting of like the win-loss records. And I think uh, the New Year show is going to be a whole thing. I think you've got to get rid of the win-loss records, in all honesty. Uh-huh. They're, they're not going to help you in the long term. Because if you've got someone like fucking uh, Jungle Boy or someone like that, and like in three years' time, now is the time you pull the trigger on him, and his win-loss record is something like 35 to 27. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, annual, the annual repeat, I get why... They always seem like a good idea in theory. Win-loss records, ranking systems, we're going to present it as a sport, but that handicaps you unnecessarily when you want to switch to a hot feud immediately. So, yeah, that's why I think that I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the year they ditch the win-loss records and the the ranking systems entirely. Because that's, what that's what's happened in every instance of a top 10 or a win-loss record I've ever seen in wrestling. From Evolve to WCW to WWE to you know ring of honor ring of honor had like 15 different systems of of having a sporting feel to it they had a thing that i always really enjoyed called the number one contenders trophy where the number one contender actually wins a trophy and if they don't become the immediate uh challenger for the title that the next show they have to defend that against someone underneath them in the rankings but even oh. that ultimately died a death you know I take your point that it's uh, far too restrictive uh, from a creative standpoint. Um, it's not a sport. I... This isn't a sport. <laughs> it's sports entertainment. It is, you know. The... It's an annoying phrase, but it actually does sum it up. Yeah, and it's an advantage. Having creative license with what your product can do is an advantage. But if you have a ranking system, you're taking that advantage away from yourself. Yeah. Don't make life harder. Yeah, that's has the thing. They, they're making things unnecessarily hard for themselves. And even, you know, understandably so. Yeah. Ultimately, the way I'm looking at AEW at this point, I don't yet see a true alternative to WWE in scale. No. I can't see it getting there. What I think they could be is the success that TNA should have been. Okay, yeah. Well, I can see them ultimately sinking to TNA levels of mismanagement, <laughs> corporatization, stupidity, wrong just stupidity. Wrong ears, series of different creative. Like, I wouldn't be shocked, especially since they weren't allowed to be percentage ownership stakeholders in the company, that a Cody or a Young Bucks or a Kenny Omega, particularly Kenny Omega, actually, mm. ends up either going back to New Japan or going to WWE. In a few years' time. Here's one quick question for you before we uh, finish off our AEW discussion. Because I asked you this in WhatsApp before. And it feeds back to one of the previous topics we have. 
What feels like a more likely thing to happen in the future? Which of these two matches seems more likely to happen in the future? Ah, yes, I remember. Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose or John Moxley versus Tyler Black? I think I uh, I, I struggled, uh, but I, I think my exact terminology was gun to my head. I'd say, uh, I said Roll- Rollins Ambrose, I believe. Yes, you did, yeah. Yeah. Whereas I made the case of Moxley Black. I'm less sure of that now. Um, I've got a prediction that's going to go against that, but I don't think AEW now looks quite as appealing to wrestlers now than it did maybe before Dynamite started or just at the start of Dynamite. I what I uh, do what I do think though is it's used it's already been used well for a negotiating tactic for Randy Orton. Apparently, <laughs> it's it's a thing that they can hold over Vince McMahon's head. And you've got, what, Dana Brooke and uh, who else signing five-year contract deals recently. So they're trying to tie them down. Yeah. And I definitely think if I was AEW, I'd be trying to throw as much money at all of the women there as possible. Because if they want their women's roster to mean something, they're going to have to work hard to make it mean something. They need more bodies there. They need more there. I... To sum up my feelings on AEW, I think it's still in a very early stage on the learning curve. And the key bit to what it becomes is how well does it learn from the things it does wrong. Its roster needs to grow by at least about a dozen more wrestlers. Yes. Um, And they need to also be willing to tear them. Like maybe Sean Spears is only going to be a good hand. Well, they're putting him into the tag division as things stand. He's like on the search for a partner. So maybe they are doing that for that now. Football. Like the biggest, the biggest, it feels like if I was to bet on anyone going to AEW in the future, it would be the revival. Because I think they know that's where their most money is to be made. Yeah. They, everyone well, ta- else after that. And I did think at one point Sasha Banks. But in all honesty, I think she's enjoyed her heel run, even though she didn't get the title from it. Um, and I think that if I was any woman in wrestling right now, I would look at WWE as still a safer option than AEW or, yeah. or elsewhere. Well, you, you go with the established horse sometimes, don't you? Like you, you go for the safe bet there. go. You know, they've been around well, for so long. Becky broke that ceiling. So, you know, that there is no, there is a way for you to get the biggest, to achieve the highest, achievement a wrestler can have in north america for the longest time of main eventing a wrestlemania yeah women have done that now and i do believe they'll do it again in the future ladies um, can do stuff now yeah I, like i've said i wouldn't be shocked if a couple of years from now uh, maybe more than a couple that there's a i wouldn't put it past a wrestlemania being headlined by becky lynch versus rhea ripley if you do it right if you do it well yeah key key word there yeah <laughs> Um, but but. To, so to New Japan, I wanted to talk about how have they dealt with the Exodus, and I think they've dealt with it partly well. One of the key things uh, they've had two key events in America. They had the Madison Square Garden show before WrestleMania, which sold out, yeah. but was a qualified success. The qualification being that Ring of Honor had to be there as well, mm-hmm. uh, and the real disparity in the quality and and the amount that the fans cared was there to see, but also. 
the fact that it wasn't what they obviously wanted it to be headlined by, which was Okada Omega 5. Yeah. Instead, it was Okada against Jay White. Now, we've sung the praises of Jay White, but he ain't Kenny Omega to the main to the to the fan base. No, you know? he's not. But don't try to be. Well, he's like, not I, trying it to sounds be. yeah, yeah. It sounds stupid because obviously, like on paper, you go like, oh, you'd want to have be like getting all those matches like Kenny Omega. But if he sticks to doing his own thing, if they if they'd done Okada Omega, the fans would have gone in expecting an eight star match. Yeah. With it being Jay White, I don't think anyone anticipated a five star match. You know. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, it's crazy that eight-star match somehow means something. Yeah. But it does. I know. Somehow. Well, we've, we've, we've done that to death, but yeah, we, we're in agreement there. I would say, though, in terms of Jay White, keep doing what you're doing. Keep being something different in New Japan, and you, people will grow to like you, and people will grow to like, or grow to hate you to the level that you want. I, I think they're onto a winner there. Yeah. Well, I really do. I've just got a hot feeling about him. What New Japan have been able to do, I, I just don't think Jay White appeals to the the fan that they need, the fan base that they need. Though that's the problem. I think he'd be a great heel in WWE. Weirdly, maybe it works in Japan more. I don't know, but mm. I don't think that the Smarky fan has a lot of time for Jay White. Really, at this point, yeah, maybe Compared to Kenny Omega. He doesn't do the well. things that the fan that, that, that they love, and he has inherited the mantle of Kenny Omega. Uh, he's not meant to do the things the fan loves and that's just the point but ultimately the fans want you know the fans want a specific thing and Jay White isn't going to give them that so then they've got to hope that they find other fans but I don't know that those fans are around I don't know that the online fan which is ultimately where New Japan still has to appeal is looking for a great shitty heel prick character to follow unfortunately they want the guy that's having the five-star matches, which is what we've been discussing, you know. So yeah. many five-star matches this year. But I do think New Japan's in a in a sort of... They're in a weird treading water situation right now. I think well, that the two Wrestle Kingdom shows was a mistake. Apparently, I don't think the ticket sales have been amazing for them. I imagine that this will be a one-off and they'll say the reason they did it over two days was because it was a weekend show. Yeah, because they always have it on January the fourth, so they'll you know next time it'll be Monday, I guess. Uh, or they could say something along the lines of um, because of the double title thing, we could do it uh, like that way or well, that whatnot. Was, yeah, and I don't know that the double title thing's necessarily been as big a draw as they wanted it to be. Um, do you think people think it's a foregone conclusion? No, no, no. I don't think that at all. I think everyone knows that there is an eventuality that all four of those guys can walk out the double champion. Absolutely, they can. Because mm. no one's been pushed harder than Okada. They want Okada to be the greatest of all time. Well, another way that you make him the greatest of all time is not just a record number of defences. It's not just him constantly main eventing Wrestle Kingdoms and winning G1 Climaxes and winning the title when he's only 23. You also do that by making him be the first one that won the, the both belts. My thinking is the youngest one out of the four possibles. Uh, is he younger no, it'll be Jay White. Jay White's going to be the youngest. Right, okay. Um... Naito, because Naito's the oldest, and obviously that's the big coronate. You know, it was him that first pitched the idea. Yeah, and it would be the great comeback after the previous Wrestle Kingdom, which a lot of people left a lot of people disappointed when he didn't beat Okada for the title. And to speak to the point you've been making about roster depth, mm. Naito and Tanahashi, there are not a lot of miles left on those clocks. No, they they have to replace those dudes. Well, the thing is, soon. you don't know, do you? Like. <sighs> 
you know, a couple of months before Okada wins the IWGP Heavyweight title, no one's saying, well, Okada's the guy that they're going to put the, the the belt to main event roster him. Mm. You know, it was such a shock to the system when he did win it in 2012. Um, so there is probably, like I've said, I think I said it before, one of those guys standing around the outside of the ring in three or four years' time may very well be the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. Obviously, there are other guys, Will Ospreay, etc., etc., that they're, they're building up. But they need to build someone quick, I think, at this point. Yeah. Shota's got a bit of mystique about him at the minute because of his association with Moxley. Um, And maybe his excursion in Britain, like in England, will give a new edge to him and he'll develop a character. Yeah, the young line characters they play, the whole young line thing is that he's meant to be super earnest and try hard. Mm. But there's no real character outside of that. And then when they come back, then they're a character. You know, Jay White was just white meat baby face. Hey! And then he comes back and he's knife pervert, Jay White, you know? <laughs> like an he looks like an anime villain, you know? Yeah. And so long as he doesn't get Amanda Knox to walk into the ring one day with gold. <laughs> so he's um yeah so we don't know. We don't know what Ren Narita's gonna look like in a couple of years' time. We don't know what shooter is gonna look like in a couple of years' time. Uh, we don't know if one of these English, uh, sorry, not English, uh, American young lions like uh, Carl Fredericks, who won their Young Lion Cup recently. We don't know what they're going to be like when they get repackaged. So it's always a little bit of a mystery. You don't know if New Japan has a roster issue. Yeah, they don't in the slightest. They just know something that we don't because they see what these guys do when they're pushing their limits. The whole point of the Young Lions thing is that they don't go out and out. You know. Yeah. Um, I can't remember now. The guy that tag team with Tiger Mask in the uh, Junior Tour, he looks like a megastar in the future. You can tell. Like you give him a good haircut. He's built. He's tall. He's you know. Good's some... a very interesting word when you look at Naito and Tanahashi's hair. Uh, interesting haircut is is the term I would use. Well, that's what a lot of them do when they come back. Minoru Suzuki, for God's sake, look at his hair. <laughs> The gorgeous, gorgeous man that he is. Oh God! Yeah, Yuya Yamura. He looks like he could be a you know a big star. Oh, he's only five eleven. He looked taller, but that that's probably just because Tiger Mask is tiny. But that's tall enough to be a heavyweight in Japan. Yeah. So you know maybe he's going to be winning the G One climax in a couple of weeks' time, uh, in a couple of years' time. You know we don't know yet. So that's always say, it's not August already, is it? But they did, like, the fact that they lost Omega is ultimately one of the main reasons that then when they did the first G1 Climax show in Houston, it was like a half-empty arena. Yeah. And it was like, the, the crowd that was there were appreciative, but they didn't do enough to hide the fact that this is a very sparsely <laughs> attended show. I don't think they game plan for it. I mean, they must have known the ticket sales, but I, I genuinely just... I, I think that they're used to it. I think their choice of market's been a weird decision. Like the first new, because now they're making their satellite promotion, New Japan of America. Yeah, and it's obviously meant to be like a small touring, uh, developmental territory that might have someone like Hiroki Goto, and maybe the United States title becomes the top promotion, the top title of that promotion. Yeah, but they were looking at like touring Florida and Texas and that, and I just think. With New Japan, I think you've got to be looking at the metropolitan markets. You've got to be looking at New York and Chicago. 
um, Boston, LA. and LA. You know, those are the places. Chicago. The area. Chicago's got enough wrestling fans to Chicago. tide you over. Oh, did yeah. you? Sorry, I do. Uh, but that's also then you then you're competing with AEW at that point. So, yeah. Philadelphia, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they're not doing that, so I don't know. Again, I don't know that they necessarily know the American market as well as you think they should know. I don't mm. think Houston was the right place to put that show in. I think they should have gone to New York or Chicago, but they didn't. Go where the people are. I think they go with places that they think are historically significant, and Houston obviously was a very historically significant place for wrestling, and Texas in general, yeah. and Florida as well, obviously. But that's not necessarily the marketplace for New Japan's form of wrestling. Maybe they got to stop thinking so traditionally. But one thing that they did do wise is essentially they haven't cut ties, but they obviously don't care that much for teaming with Ring of Honor anymore. Well, their tours are not shared tours with Ring of Honor, and yeah. frankly, Ring of Honor at the moment can kind of go fuck itself. Yeah, Ring of Honor is a garbage fire right now. But the weird thing, and because it's, it's fast, people think it's going to go out of business, and you know their owners are not going out of business. Well, yeah, but how long are their owners going to be their owners? Mm, that's the question. But I think that's it's just the... easy, cheap content that they can put out on their channels, and they own every element of it, so they don't have to pay other people to provide it. True, and Sinclair does love a monopoly. Exactly. Just got to look at their news channels. But they just—it's been PR disaster after PR disaster for that company. And maybe that's the problem. How long? Like, if it's starting to disparage Sinclair as a whole, they, Sinclair won't have a deep-held passion about wrestling. They'll just bin it. The most valuable asset the Ring of Honor has for its resale value right now is its tape library. Yeah. Because WWE have to be circling that thinking. Oh, Vince smells... If Vince smells blood, he'll go. He'll go for that all day but, long. Yeah. So, if Ring of Honor goes, it'll be because I think WWE make an offer to Sinclair for essentially their tape library. And Sinclair don't... Just like how when WCW was sold, they didn't appreciate the value of their tape library. You know, they bought WCW, including the tape library, for $2 million. How and weird is it that networks that think... Sorry? How, is, how weird is it that networks had that mentality that, oh, we've got thousands of hours of stored content? Simon, Do you want it? <laughs> the BBC deleted, like, half of their output in the 60s, you know? Yeah. There's, like, Lost Top of the Pops with Jimi Hendrix and the Rolling Stones. There's so many missing Doctor Who serials. There's all this interesting stuff that's just out there. And it wasn't just WWE, like... Famously, a lot of the Memphis Territory stuff was lost, um, except for, like, Jerry Lawler's own private collection. It's weird. Mind you, I, uh, storage was more of an issue back then. Yeah, yeah, storage is a key problem now. But, yeah, yeah, if WWE got Ring of Honor, my God. I mean, they'd have to work with the copyright issues with the entrance musics and everything. Unfortunately, we wouldn't hear Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson entering to the final countdown. <laughs> or CM Punk entering to AFI. Although, towards the end of his run, he was entering to Cult of Personality, so maybe maybe they will allow that to continue. I don't know. No, they might but figure things but out. Maybe, maybe AEW tries to swoop in and take that tape library and open an app and start doing their own version. Maybe there, maybe there's wrestlers there to go back to um, that that conversation that they could like boost their roster with. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. I mean, guys like Jay Lethal. And oh Rush, god yes <laughs> and uh, Bandido who's currently tied down to Ring of Honor oh. because they have the connection with New Japan 
Oh, he's back the wrong horse. Well, you know, it's only so long that he's got to be there. That's true. Um, but yeah, there's look, there are a lot of guys out there that have a lot more value in their contracts. Like, Ring of Honor's whole thing has been recently they want to try and target more the Latino market, hence going with Roosh as the champion and everything. Yeah. And, and marketing more towards the southern states of Arizona and Nevada and the like. Uh, whether that will pay off in the long run, I don't know. But They need um, to figure something out. And they yeah. need, they really need to take a look at the way they operate. Um, so that was Ring of Honor. Uh, let's go back to WWE for a bit. Um... But let's go outside of WWE. The key thing this year has been their move to Fox with SmackDown. And suddenly a lot of money being invested by a large-scale media corporation that has expectations that the WWE can't necessarily match. And also that's resulted in programming that the WWE can't control in the WWE on Fox channel. Which led to the arrival at long belated last (laughs) of CM CM Punk. Punk. And a man who's willingly been able to say on the telly that Baron Corbin angle sucked. Although yeah. then he did compliment the later one with the dog food, which I liked as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we saw the dog doggy poo bag one yeah. live and in the flesh. And we'll talk about that in a bit, yeah. We got so deflated, but yeah. Um, I like the fact, I, I think he's made a bit of a thing, the whole Lana thing's interesting, how they could have her in a shark cage and the loser gets Lana because they both become that's sick. The, that's the funny thing now, like, like WWE doesn't have full control of its message, doesn't have full control of its production, apparently it was Fox's insistence that uh, WWE switch to the two-man commentary team. Okay. I believe that was uh, a Fox uh, request. Hooray for Fox. <laughs> <coughs> Three-man moves are so difficult. And you watch WWE on Fox. Not only are they saying critical things about the WWE, they're saying wrestling. They're yeah. saying the word wrestling a lot and wrestlers. That was what shocked me when I watched him being uh, CM Punk being interviewed by uh, Renee Young. Renee Young was saying wrestling. And if that was just WWE telling her what to do, she's never saying that. Yeah, but that's what she started off by saying when she was covering it on the score. So... That's what they bought when they bought Renee Young. They obviously got got her version, their version of Renee Young when it's really fully under her umbrella. Renee Young is so but... much better than WWE. She deserves so much better than that. She should be a main anchor on ESPN or something like that. And, and now that they've... Because... Oh, Coach, Coachman ended up on ESPN exactly. for a bit. Exactly, and if Coachman can get on there... Fucking hell. <laughs> she definitely can. Oh, yes. A friend, of mine's into, a friend of mine's into golf and said that coach is on that and he's bloody awful. <laughs> um, but because Re- Renna Young, was it this year or last year that she was put onto the raw commentary team for a while? Uh, she's been on it, I think a bit this year, uh, but mostly last year. Yeah. And those people were really harsh on her unnecessarily. And I think the basic <laughs> problem was that she was told to repeat everything that was said to her through her headphones and rarely got to say, like one of the few times we got to hear her like Renee Young, the person under it was when they did that uh, in the Baron Corbin, uh, Lacey Evans entrance for the Seth Rollins Becky Lynch yeah. match. They did a zoom in, which was meant to be of the top of the butt of her tights, which had Seth on it. Yeah, but instead it looked like it was trying to go directly into her asshole. <laughs> yes, yes. And Renee couldn't just hold back, and she just went, Jesus. <laughs> you know? 
That was a rare moment where we got to hear what she really thought. She's ah, uh, she has so much. You're right. She has so much potential, and who knows if her contract expires, she might want to hang around with her husband in AEW. You never know. Yeah, I think she's better than AEW, and I don't want to start seeing that again. You know, we've already got issues with Brandy. <laughs> well, yes, so, but. You know, and again, it's like a woman doesn't have to be defined by the bloke she's with, as we found with the with the Becky Lynch thing. Oh no, I'm not saying that. So like, I think Renee can, but... can carve her own career path. Yeah, absolutely, she could, but it's an option, and it, I get it to spend time. But I don't, I don't know that she'll want to do that. It's however she's motivated. I, she'll I do, do what she wants to do. I do remember, a, like, she'll sometimes tweet about some of the stuff that her husband's up to now that she doesn't approve of. Yeah. One of the best ones uh, was her saying, was like, just quote a quote from an unnamed person. Have <laughs> you ever seen the Samoa Joe Necro Butcher match? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we'll have to do for match of the week. Oh, God, yes. <clears throat> um, so, yeah. I, I, so the WWE on Fox is, is the funny thing of them not being in control of their message, but the other end of the spectrum of them thinking they have control and then it turning out they very much don't have control was the whole Saudi Arabia situation. <laughs> now, if there's one people you think you can... Like, if you're in Saudi, you're on Saudi's rules. Again, Vince bumping up against someone that has a little bit more power than he does and him not reacting well to it. If all the stories are to be believed. I don't think we'll... We won't get the full story of that until Vince's death, I think, at this point. Or possibly we'll get something if there's a if there's a hacking of Saudi servers or... If someone high enough or with high enough profile gets disgruntled enough in the WWE and thinks, fuck it, here's what happened. Those are your three avenues, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Or the Saudis just tell. Because like, if, if they get sick of Vince, it's like, well, here's why we don't want him. What are you going to do? Yeah, We're yeah. Saudi Arabia. We can, we, can, we can trust the Saudi, uh, the head of the Saudi state to tell the full truth about anything. Well, that's why Vince would then respond with his version of events. Well, I just... There's that, that's the whole like I've said it before like from next year my policy is going to be for every show that the WWE does in Saudi Arabia I didn't watch the shows I've never watched the shows other than the Greatest Royal Rumble they're not good I know well they're, they're partly because they're redundant but also I don't want to give my endorsement to it I don't want to increase their viewing figures with it uh, obviously this year they actually they, they, it seemed to have the significance of a British pay per view back in the day until this time when we had them quickly get the title onto the fiend from Seth Rollins because I think they just thought the next show we just got to get the belt on the fiend. Yeah. Um. So, I think that it helped them in a sense because they they don't view they view the Saudi shows as canon but not full canon. Well, if that no, makes sense. They got it, a, is canon. It, it is canon, but they have got a strange attitude to it. It's well, yeah, like we can we almost... can. We can do more in Saudi that we can't do in the US. Well, we can treat our characters almost, slightly differently. They almost treat it comically in ways because it's like Shane McMahon with his best wrestler in the world, World Cup. Oh! And now we've got that subsequent to that now with um, Anderson and Gallows always being uh, credited as the greatest tag team in the world or something like that based on their... Victory that actually might the come of something, especially if they have yeah. a tag match with the Viking. But that was, what, that was what the Shane McMahon thing came of as well. But there is obviously meant to be a little bit of a comical element to that. Even when Ang- even when Haas and Benjamin probably were the world's greatest tag team, the team being called the world's greatest tag team is a joke in and of itself. 
you know? Yeah. Because wrestling's subjective for a start. So, yeah, so there's, that is almost like a Mickey take of the importance of those events. You know, the reason they called that wrestling tournament the World Cup was because the Saudis were annoyed that Qatar were holding the Football World Cup. You know, well, that's why they're blockading these, them as well. All these weird, weird things that they're doing. And obviously them using the Saudi event as the excuse to bring Hulk Hogan back because, you know, apparently two... Two acts of moral, moral reprehensible behaviour cancel each other out. Apparently, well, but like again, said, again, if you cut up a American citizen in a Turkish embassy, like literally cut him up, and then you're and you as a company on the stock market go, yeah, we'll go over there. Then morality's clearly fucked off out the window. Well, it's, it's it's not just WWE that the practitioners of this. Like I, when I saw you haven't seen the Rise of Skywalker, have you? Not yet, no. So I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is a moment in it where two, mi- well, one minor female character and one extra. Who's I am already aware of this because I know Singapore have cut it. That's the whole thing. Like, they kiss. But it's not that Singapore have cut it. It's that Disney have cut it on the recommendation of the Singapore government to allow it in their show, you know? And it's so, like, as soon as he d- they showed that, I just turned to my mate and said... That'll be cut from the China release. So you can't have it both ways. You can't be bastions of women's rights and racial equality and trying to get some sort of woke, you know, wokeness as a term is bullshit anyway, but it's like a, but it's even more so now when it's a branding exercise. But then do the opposite thing with the other areas because you want to make the maximum amount of profit in the global marketplace. You can't have it both ways. I'm not going to applaud you for that if you're not going to do it with, you know, I'm not going to say, well done, you didn't hit your wife with your left hand, but you gave her a good right hand punch at some <laughs> point, you know? And speaking of punching, it's not, again, it's not just WWE from a sp- sporting sense that have done this. Oh, yeah. The, I, yeah, I watched yeah. Ruiz Jr. 2 in, Sa- and Ruiz Joshua, sorry, uh, 2 in Saudi Arabia, I watched that pay per view. You've got, you've got LeBron James championing all the rights for, like, African Americans, which are an issue. But then you want to say shit about the Chinese government? You better not do that. Look at look at what's happening to Uyghur Muslims in China. Yeah, tell me that's not something that needs to be condemned by everyone. Meza Özil said that spoke out about it. That the next the Arsenal match dropped immediately. <coughs> the Meza Özil Chinese fan club has been closed and deleted. Uh, and look, I don't agree with everything Meza Özil does because he's of his ties with like the, the president of Turkey. I can't remember if he's prime minister or president. I think he he doesn't yeah. care at this point. He's he's the head honcho. But yeah, this is it. Like, what is morality? What is it really? You have to have you have to have a consistency if you want to be applauded for your morality. Yeah, like I don't dispute. I'm a hypocrite in places. I will be a hypocrite. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I always said stuff in this that then if you put me in a situation where suddenly there's a lot of money on stake, I can't guarantee I wouldn't toe the party line. But you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know until I'm put in that situation. Mm. Oh, this, uh, and the trouble is with hypocrisy is everyone's the hero in their but own story. But it's just so they, they will, they will bend yeah. it to their will. Like with the Saudi thing and the WWE, <laughs> to get it track, they argue, especially from the fact they had that first women's match there on the last <sighs> page, that maybe the way they treat women and they can showcase how women can be seen as like athletes will open up more opportunities for women in Saudi Arabia. That will be their response. That will be why we're going there. Yeah, but I can say that's... The paychecks are all... They're just like the cherry on the cake. 
And I could say that's bullshit. And apparently, then after the after the match, where they were posing for selfies with the young Saudi girls, who clearly were reacting positively to it from everything I've heard, they were then criticised and like told off for doing it by the Saudis in charge. They didn't like them doing that. I like that. You can have freedom, but not too much freedom. Well, that's the, that's the whole thing, and it's I just don't like. Obviously, people like individuals are using wokeness with all kinds of horseshit you know, hypocrisies to them yeah. as well. And that's the Twitter culture. But there was a really good uh, Red Letter Media, my favourite YouTubers. Uh, they do movie reviews and, and stuff. and they, But they discuss the culture as well around it. And they were talking about that in Star Wars and obviously with like, I think this was before the Singapore cut of it. Yeah. Um, the, he came up with a great term called passive progressive. Right. Where you want all the credit for progressivism but you don't and want all to do the potential anything. financial rewards for it without actually having to do anything. Anything oh, of yeah. substance. Okay, now it's been defined. Yeah, you see that everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So I really like that. I want that term to really take off. I tried to. Push Have you written to Oxford Dictionary yet? Well, I always wanted to. I wanted to coin the term controversial. Which is people being controversial purely to make money. Mm. You know, and now it's the people who say, oh, you can't say anything these days in front of their 10,000 adoring fans in the bloody O2 at their stand-up gig or whatever, you know? Or to their millions, well, thousands of followers on Twitter. Yeah, they're saying, oh, there's censorship all around as they sign their latest Netflix deal. You know, I just, you know... All, yeah. I think Dave Chappelle summed it up. It's like if you're if you've got the audacity to complain about this, you clicked on my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You came to me. Like I'm on Netflix. Well, that's the other end of the argument. Consciously find me. Yeah, but like, yeah, but that's the. But then you can't say you're being censored because you literally are not being censored. No, and he didn't. Well, that's he, fine. He but other people that, are saying that. Other yeah. people do do that. You're, that this is it, and that's 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 what I'm saying is Chappelle incredibly well off men are saying that they're in a terrible state. Yeah. But all I'm saying is Dave Chappelle nailed it. It's like, in terms of like, if you, because there well, are... Yeah. Well, I'm not, but I'm not searching it out. And that's why I'm not going to watch the Saudi shows. And I think I, I don't think I said this at the end. Yeah. Every month that they do it, I'm going to cancel my subscription for two months. If, it, and... you know, if it, if it happens on a WrestleMania month, then I'll watch WrestleMania that month. But then I will cancel and not buy it for the next two months. So ultimately, WWE is losing probably 40 quid from me. And that doesn't mean anything to them. I get it. But that's the one little gesture I can make within myself. Well, if, it, if it's what you feel you should do, you should do it. And also, as we're going into the next decade, we'll have to talk about this more with our next episode, The Decade in Review. But streaming is going to become more and more important. Oh, boy. And, and, and it's going to become a case that people will have to make decisions on what they're going to have to let go of and what they're going to keep hold of. Mm-hmm. You know, when when Disney Plus comes into the UK in March, there are going to be dads who say to their son, there are going to be parents who say to their sons and daughters, you can either have Disney Plus or you can have WWE Network. We can't afford both. Or the dad or the mom who watch it will say, well, the kids want Disney Plus. We can't afford it all. So we're going to have to cancel our WWE Network subscription. Another end of it. I guarantee you that these two weeks of Premier League football on Amazon, that is not a one-off. There's no. something coming. No, 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 no. They they have nailed that. 
Um, there is something coming, and that's going to make a lot of households make serious decisions about where they're putting their money for streaming in the future. And Amazon have the money to like make streaming be a loss for them. They they I, they, I don't, they don't care about necessarily profitability. They want people signed up to Prime. I don't that's even I don't even know if it's going to be Amazon. I think Premier League are piggybacking off of Amazon's technology, and I think they're going to strike out on their own. There will be a league that does it. I don't know if it will be the Premier League, but if I had to make a prediction non-wrestling for the next five years, but it does link into how wrestling will be because of streaming, a football league, one of the big five football leagues, because a couple of leagues already do it in some countries, will do it in their own country. But none, none have the brand recognition that the Premier League does. La Liga comes a close second. But I don't <laughs> La Liga think, is look, propped up by two teams. Put it, put it this way. I don't think as many British football fans are going to go and buy the Bundesliga package compared to German fans and Austrian fans and Swiss fans, you know, that are going to buy the Premier League package. Mm-hmm. And we've got we've got the African reach and the Asian reach that the other leagues don't. Yeah, exactly. We've gone off topic, but the reason we've gone off topic and we will cover about it in more detail is the internet changes everything. As we've seen in this year in review, how the internet's changed, how Seth Rollins has been booked, uh, how the internet is how we learn about the Saudi story, and it's through tweets and through speculation and through rumour that we learn about this like frantic situation. And one of the questions I wanted to pose to you, I know you won't watch the shows, do you think this will lead to more people opting out of going? Going to what? Saudi, because it's it's optional. Daniel Bryan and Cena opted out. I think more are going to say they're not interested. Yeah. So then, if enough of a number to say they're not interested to the point that the WWE either have to start throwing a lot more money at them or have to repackage what those shows are. Yeah. Like, maybe uh, they... Saudis won't like, like that. You know, it's just, I've now got this vision of them having to book, like, a... An, an Iron Man match between Dolph Ziggler and T.L. Hopper. <laughs> no, not T.L. Hopper, but like it's funnier if it's feasible. Something. Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin. You know? They'll have to turn one of them face at the last minute. It's like, we've got to fill an hour here, guys. You laugh, but there's there's possibly a world in which we get that at this at the upcoming Mania. Not Iron Man, but the actual match. Well, you know, if it's in the mid-card. It's weird, like, Baron Corbin's just a weird situation. Because he's getting booed. He's it's doing worth- what he's supposed to do. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't. He, he has been pushed so hard all year. Well, yeah, because we talk I mean, about we Seth as a fake baby. Roman Reigns in a singles match. Yeah. You know? Uh, we, we we talk about, obviously, Seth as a babyface. In terms of heel that they've consistently worked on throughout the year, it's him, isn't it? But, the really? whole thing, but what's so bizarre is that last year, the whole thing about Baron Corbin was that no one wanted to watch him. That was basically his gimmick, that no one want Like, it was the X-Pac go-away heat. Yeah. But they've just kept booking, you know, they booked him in with Seth, they've booked him against Roman Reigns, they gave him King of the Ring... And they haven't treated it like it's a curse. You know, they've repackaged him as King Corbin with the uh, skin. I don't mind the look, really. Yeah, I I, I do mind the, the theme. The theme needs yeah, to be like I something I can't remember different. enough about the theme. I think I turned to you, though, saying this is awful. 
Yeah, it's uh, basically his old theme mixed in with like uh, switching to regal trumpets. Yeah, so yeah. it alternates between the two. Just, just do something but regal. Go, but King Booker yeah. changed it to a whole regal theme. Just lean into it more. You lent into it enough with the other things. <coughs> just do that. I it's not like, hard. I always like King Seamus's packaging of him as like a, a Celtic king from the ninth century. Yeah, they didn't do anything with it, but I always thought it was a cool look. He had like a a wooden crown and everything. Yeah, his crown. I was thought that was a cool idea. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, to go back to the internet though, uh, through the internet now is where so many promotions try to keep going. You know, and we we you know for our five star match, we got OTT on demand, and there are Progress on demand, and Chikara online, uh, and all these different ones. And what's also interesting is that a, an old new, what was old was new again, and there's a weekly YouTube show on at the moment that. Got a lot of buzz when it started, then got a lot of buzz for the opposite reasons, oh and now is kind of in its last roll of the dice, essentially, in the, to, to be, make it work as an ongoing um, cause. That, of course, being NWA Power. And I texted yes. you, I watched, I watched all of the first few episodes of NWA Power, which is more than I can say for AEW. See, I went the other way. I did AEW. I've not watched a single minute of NWA Power. I really enjoy NWA Power whilst I was watching it. It was it was old school. Problem was, it almost felt like an imitation of old school, if you get where I'm coming from. But it's also meant to be um, a... It's a throwback in presentation and everything, uh, in, in storylines, in wrestlers, in, in style of wrestling... But it also, what I loved was it was giving these guys time to do promos. That's what I wanted. You know, I just want guys to be able to cut promos like Arn Anderson used to, like Jim mm. Cornette used to, like Ric Flair used to, like Dusty Rhodes used to. And they're giving them that chance. It's weird that we've got loads of time on television where there's wrestling. Like loads of hours of TV have wrestling on it. But we don't. We 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 it's we don't see a lot of people do promos. Yeah, it's only really a top guy like, thing. Cody and how do allowed, how do Cody's little guys become big guys? For, yeah, Cody and MJF have been allowed their segments to do their promos, and so has Chris Jericho and John Moxley. Thank God, because Chris but, Jericho's like delivered massively this year. And and we also did manage to find out that Luchasaurus is into medieval literature or something like <laughs> that, as well as being sixty five million years old. And a single dad to two sons. <laughs> but that's what the NWA is giving these guys the chance to do, to talk. And I think that's one of the reasons why. Even if he's only using it as a uh, stopgap, the big surprise was Marty Skrull showing up. Yeah. Because I think Marty Skrull is deliberately hopping around these places waiting to maximise his value. And, and NWA is a great place that people can just go for a few months. Like, there is a woman on that show right now called Thunder Rosa... Yeah. If AEW and WWE or WWE aren't snapping her up immediately, because she can do, she's got like, she's so far in advance of everyone on the on in the ring, uh, that are in that promotion otherwise, and she's she's got a great look. She's a legit MMA fighter, although I think she lost her first fights. She's got yeah, she's she can tap into that Latino market. It's like where the hell has this woman been? Yeah. Um. But if it's just like a six-month stint on this show that brings her to attention. But the key, key thing is, I think, this can't be a continuing running expense, which is what it's been paid off. They're using this to try to persuade 
TV companies to, if only through cable syndication deals, to pick it up and then they can start airing it there and make money off of it. Because it also has a weird Tim and Eric energy to it with its with its joke ads and everything. So it's, it's got a weird tonal thing, but I was just looking at it. Episode 1 of NWA Power currently stands at 589,000 views on YouTube. Episode 2's got 340. Episode 3's got 239. Episode 4 has 251. 239 for episode 6. 220. So it's somewhere around the 200... Somewhere around a fifth to a quarter of a million views a week at this point it looks like so it had so it's had a drop off from the first episode but it stayed consistently around there now does that just off of youtube views suggest that there's a market for because that's only a quarter that's just under a quarter of what AEW's making thing and is obviously budgeted at less than a quarter on a production front thing is with that youtube stat Someone could have watched that more than once. Of course, that could be the case, but you know. It's Whereas still, the uh, info consist- we're getting about there's a consistency television. in its numbers that suggests to me. Look, I just think look, it might not, and this might be like NWA Power could very well be a non-entity by the end of next year. And frankly, the way that Jim Cornette's comment made it through, however rounds, however many rounds of editing. And then finding out a bit more about the guys that run it. Dave Lagana's a guy that will retweet white people saying, oh, this world used to be a meritocracy and it's not anymore. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and and Billy Corgan is a, I don't know, a frequent guest, but he has been a guest on InfoWars. Oh, for Christ's sake. So sakes. it doesn't exactly make you want to give them your time, but the talent involved and the work that they're doing and the kind of wrestling that they're presenting as an alternative is something I'm really enjoying. But I'll be honest, I haven't gone back into NWA Power after that. Mm. I'm not against it. I think you make mistakes. I can't hate everything, but like that was so, like it was just the, it was just the shock of how did this get through? How did someone not get that this joke is not acceptable? You know, and how and if you don't know. That's your ignorance. That's not our sensitivity. Yeah. That's not our, us being oversensitive. That's you not understanding the culture and not respecting the feelings of other people. Or, or worse, you thinking it's funny. Yeah. Because it ends. It's not even a good. It's not even a good joke. You know, it's a very basic joke. Yeah. That has no place. And like Jim Cornette, look, obviously, well, I, going I, out, I, I'll be honest. I can't say. Sorry? I can't think of one well-written racist joke. It's not good humour. It's lazy humour. Well, you know, there's stuff that there's stuff that can play into the irony of it, and there's stuff that can... You know, there's some good, there's some good jokes about us white people. <laughs> okay, fair point, fair point. But against minorities, I've yet to see a single one. Well, you know. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start because it's not big. That. It's not clever. It's a stupid idea. Like, just don't do it. Like, it's it's, it's why we have to have this conversation in 2019, and that depresses me. It depresses well, me every time we talk look, about we've, race. We've had that conversation for every year of the world of what's offensive and what's not. It's just that the 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 areas are changing now. And this might be a generational thing. You've you've obviously gone through more oh, of bloody day. Hang on, with my walking stick. Hang on, I'm seat. making a because what I'm saying is like you've seen more of the world be like this, and I. In terms of like being plugged into the world properly, 
haven't done it for like that long. Well, look, look the way I look at it, I've uh, you know I made allusions. To, I've made allusions to, Obviously, I'm I'm referencing Ricky Gervais in a lot of this stuff that I'm saying, and I was a huge Ricky Gervais fan. I still am an admirer of his work. I think he's got lazy. I think he's not thought of a new. He's not had a new thought in his brain for ten years. Kind of along the Jim Cornette line, and he thinks he should be able to do whatever he likes because he was before. And I think that where that ironic racism that he did, I don't think he's racist. I don't think he's even a transphobe or, or a hom. I definitely don't think he's a homophobe, although I'm more suspicious of that than anything else, mm-hmm. given his past behavior. What he doesn't, what I don't think he appreciates is that his ironic racism and sexism and homophobia and everything came from a place came from a place of um, self-delusion across a lot of the culture, especially in the white culture, that the worst examples of racism and sexism and homophobia were a thing of the past. And that no one can truly think those things anymore. Those that do think it are so irrelevant in their numbers that they don't even need to really be concerned with. And then what we've found over the past five, six, seven years... Is that's not true. Is that's not true. And I think, like, the oh, weirdly, Obama becoming president seemed to be the final cap of, yeah, we're, the world's not as racist as it once was. Racism's still a problem. It's just not that big of a problem. But mm. One of my favourite one of my favorite quotes... Well, was it, uh, who, who, which who FIFA guy... Let me, just let me finish this one, sorry. Sorry. Um, one of my favourite quotes, I can't remember who said it, but it was... Isn't it crazy when camera phones came along that suddenly all the people being abducted by aliens went away and all the black people being killed by cops suddenly started showing up? Yeah, I, I, that is a great quote. I, again, I don't know who said it, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the one I was going to allude to was that uh, I think it was Seth Blatter going, there was no, there is no problem with racism in football. Well, you're an idiot then, yeah. for many reasons, but for this one especially. That's the thing. Like They, 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 think, they think just because they, they they're, not, they're not... They're not legally disallowed not allowed to vote so they're not legally uh prevented from going to a water fountain that means it's not a problem there's a culture that still prevents some people from going to certain places there's a culture embedded and it's obviously become more more magnified and more visible because of things like the internet and social media and we're seeing the worst of some people and we're seeing everyone, everyone has essentially become toxified by the internet and have become worse in their ways than they were before. Or they appear to be worse in their ways. you got to remember, though, only 8% of people in the world use Twitter, you know? Uh, like, if that's... Yeah. So it's not the world, you know? Only small numbers of people uh, are there, but they're, they're louder and they can be heard more and they can't be ignored as much and their opinions are held into higher value. But also these ugly realities, they're there. And so this notion that like, oh, we can make a jokely, ironically racist joke yeah. because people get the joke. Well, it turns out they didn't in the way you thought they did. <laughs> and you need to look into yourself on that. And if you're unwilling to, then I don't know where to go with you. And maybe you're not for this this culture anymore or you're not for me anymore. You yeah. know? And I can only speak for myself. You know, I, I'm not watching Ricky Gervais' stuff really anymore because he's not interesting me. You know? And I think that's probably the, what will happen with a lot of people, but not enough. You know, he's still going to be selling out the bloody NIA down the road where I am. Yeah. You know, 
He's but he, but he has to, you know. And like, I, people have to wrestle with that, you know. It's like Louis C.K. You know, I'm just like he can make he can make a very strong living for the rest of his life because there are enough people that don't think he did anything that wrong. But, but he wants to be accepted by society. He wants those Emmy awards again, and so he needs to start figuring out how he does that. Yeah. Um, it's like look, Kevin, look, Kevin Spacey still does like uh, messages as his uh, House of Cards character. I'm like, what yeah, are you doing? Yeah, yeah, in the same year that three of his accusers have committed suicide. You know, it's... I didn't really. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that fact. That makes what he did infinitely worse. Fucking yeah. hell. Self awareness is at an all time low. So look, that's not me disputing there isn't there is a desire for a cancel culture out there, but that's nothing new. You know, people people used to attend public executions. We like making other people feel bad. There are, the there are the pictures spectrum. from the um, not from within the last hundred and fifty years of lynchings and such, where kids are there. So, well, we used to, you know, we used to throw throw food at people in the stocks. Yeah, we just send abusive tweets at them if they say something wrong. I you feel know, you, got the, you got the you got the anti Brexit lawyer now who said he had to kill a fox, and now he's hated by everyone. You know. We've gone way down a societal rabbit hole. Um, the reason for that is because it's a conversation we, uh, I think it does need to be happen. This is the wrong forum for it. But, uh, but, but wrestling is reflecting it as well. Yes, that, and, and that's why we have have had to have this conversation again. Yeah. And we'll have to continue to do so until, well, probably forever, sadly. Well, you, but you also don't have to care about it. You can just watch YouTube videos of the 24-7 championship and have a good time doing that, you know? Ah. We, we avoided the worst of it a lot of the time because we just spent the whole past year watching some of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. Um, but I'd like to speak about the 24 seven championship if I may okay. uh, for a little bit. Um, and just the, the, the rebirthing again of our truth, the like, you can't <laughs> kill his momentum. He finds a way of being relevant. He's like well into his forties as well, isn't he? Oh yeah. Late for, like he is in, I don't know what his picture of Dorian Gray looks like, but Jesus Christ, he is crushing it. <laughs> and, I, uh, when it first came out and like the internet backlash to the ugly belt and it is ugly as sin um like we thought we we're on a hiding to nothing with this 24 7 belt but it's produced some really good funny moments yeah but it seems to like they already seem to be just repeating themselves at this point like the fun thing now is to have someone who's just so intimidating that no one wants to challenge them for it which was a really fun thing they did during steve blackman's run with the with the hardcore <laughs> so yeah you can put maybe give Strowman that as just yeah. something to do yeah. um the, its biggest problem is its biggest strength our truth our mm. truth's so good at doing that stuff that they will always use our truth for it and as much as it pains me to say it because he is crushing it he needs to not be in that scene for a good three to six months to let yeah. it freshen up again rockstar spud needs to be back uh, like, Drake Maverick. Sorry. Drake Maverick. Yeah, sorry, but I think he's um, been linked with an AOP manager manager role again. But yeah, he already was their manager. Well, yeah, but enough people have forgotten that he pissed himself now. Maybe, or maybe they'll get him to do it again. But he would make a good lackey for t- Tyler Bla- for um, Tyler Black. You got me, Rockstar Sud and Tyler Black. Seth Rollins. Right. Maybe trying to re- do a new version of the EC3 Rockstar Spud relationship. That could be a good one. Uh, he'll be a, he'll be a utility player. The w, I bet Vince loves Drake, and like ever since he basically willingly pissed himself because the apparatus wasn't working. Yeah, Vince was like, "This is my guy." 
<laughs> so I think he'll have a job for life there. That's the last time we saw the big show as well. Um, yeah. So, well, he's doing a Netflix series now, isn't he? Yeah. But um, let's do some quick ones because we've already talked a lot. Um, the British wrestling scene. Oh. NXT UK. It does all right. Doesn't yeah. do as well as I think they want it to. We've uh, lost Defiant. It, we've lost yeah. South. What, what else have we lost? And also full- just ICW are back to kind of what they were before. I think the their last fear and loathing was just in like a thousand seat arena. Yeah. But I think they can I think that they're just that happy in themselves and I think they can rise and fall as the tides go come and go. Their whole thing is about like they're a little local thing with their yeah. local eccentricities. Similar to OTT with their whole Irish roster. I think that, that basic thing of your own homegrown roster, a few international stars, a few bridging members of the WWE UK NXT UK roster. Yeah. But I think what's really significant is like I think just for anything, just look at on cage match, look at El Ligero's matches list in this year compared to every other year. And you'll see the issue that we have right now with NXT UK contracted talent. Mm. Let's have a look here. 2019 matches for El Ligero, or Ligero now as he's called. We have 29. Admittedly, I think he's had an injury during some of those. But you compare that to... 2018, we've got 89 plus 84. So, you know, just just over 170. 163. Yeah. No, no, 173. Poor maths. Slap I think that shows, you, that shows you your issues right there and then. I think he has had an injury during that time, but... The they time... have a stranglehold um, with the, 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 the talent they have signed to contracts. I think what will be significant is the first person to walk away from an NXT UK contract and stay on the UK scene. Hmm. Because then they can be given all the belts and all the other promotions, you know. But then how do you protect your wrestlers? Like, it is fascinating that the match we saw, David Starr, that was him shitting over the WWE and their promotion and their tactics and their business processes and how it's affected the British and Irish scene. And he beat a contracted WWE talent. Yeah. At what point did the WWE start saying, can't do that? Yeah, not sending him if he's going to like be in that situation. Well, you know, in storyline, Jordan Devlin's not in OTT anymore. Yeah. You assume this is building up to something in a year's time or so. You assume that. But who knows what happens in the future. But at what point did, did WWE cut their losses, maybe, and say that this is not going to work out? It's, well, they tried. It's, it's there was rumours they were going it's to... Triple H's baby. Vince can say, you're losing us millions of dollars... And who have NXT UK created that's a star? They could say maybe Rhea Ripley, but that's a stretch. Tyler, well, not Tyler, what was I going to say? Pete Dunne, possibly? But is that going to be the the process now? Is it you go from NXT UK to NXT to WWE's main roster, or is NXT kind of your ceiling now? Because we'll have to talk about that quickly as well. NXT's repositioning as a brand. Its own third brand. NXT UK essentially become the place that they send all the 
the you know the, the guys that they would have previously had on NXT for their seasoning is NXT UK where they go. It's almost like their learning excursion from their young lion days. Is it you go to developmental, then you go to one of the satellite NXT promotions in the UK, or maybe if they apparently they want to do this thing in Japan. There was talk of them buying uh, Noah. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think think, think where WWE, the only way WWE can make a foothold in Japan is if they make their promotion about being a mixed promotion with women and male wrestlers. Yes. That can be a unique thing. Then they'll get all the female talent in in Japan that they can get their hat, that will be willing to go there. Mm. No, I I do agree with that. I think if they... But it's a big risk. Do you know what? I think if they go, not full American, but a lot... But a lot more American in terms of the way they operate as a company out there. They're, they'll be so different that it will bring eyes and talent to them out there. Uh, NXT UK is sort of, it's got Britishness in it, but uh, it's just there. I, I, I don't want to disparage it because there's a lot of really good wrestlers in it. I haven't it. watched any of it. I've watched maybe like a one or two episodes ever. Like, are there any compelling stories, or is it like the most basic of wrestling storylines? I don't. I, I, could, like I can't actually tell you, and that's the yeah. problem. But there's too much wrestling. Yeah, exactly. we are, we can't cover all of it. We have well, to make we, personal we choices. We figured it out that if you wanted to watch every program that WWE produced, you that gives that takes up a whole day of your waking life per week. Yeah, and no one's going to do that. No one's going to do that. Well, people might do that. And, but... Well, yeah, and they're the weird ones. <laughs> who then so probably the talk about how doing a wrestling podcast in their yeah, spare time, entering hour two or so. Um, I don't, I don't know. Is the honest case either it's a continuing loss making venture because I can't see it being a huge profit builder. I think it's obvious that a lot of the Brit Rest fans are really angry at the situation and will essentially boycott the WWE stuff on principle. Because there is a lot of complaining on Twitter. I do think because AEW's around, they might hold on to it for a bit longer than they might might than they would have done without AEW being around. Because it keeps talent away from them. But unfortunately, like we've we've talked about the British wrestling scene, and I said I don't know if this is the crest of the wave, and it's pretty obvious now that it is. You know. Yeah. That all of these promotions, except maybe OTT, are in a worse place than they were before. And OTT obviously aren't British, so you know British Isles. We're content. We're yeah. them in with us at that point. Look, Brit wrestlers. Like we'll take what we can get. We'll take. We'll take the Irish, and we'll, we'll gladly like, like lose them in. With, with, with World of Sports, with the UK scene and everything, a couple of years ago, what was really getting you hopeful was that there could be a way that forty to fifty. British wrestlers, men and women, could make a good living, living in Britain as wrestlers. Now, World of Sport, we, we, we have, you've, you've heard our episode reviews, or if not, go go listen to them. You'll, you'll get our opinion. It's an interesting listen, especially in hindsight, I guess. Yeah. Um, but the fact remains is it didn't work. And the fact remains is there is now less places for British wrestlers to wrestle, and that is a tragedy. And... I think it can come back, but I think it would need to. It needs to. I think it needs to go down the David Starr route, defining itself as something outside of the WWE, and then you essentially start getting that ECW spirit at that. Be point, different, that rebel. Be spirit. a rebel. Yeah, just just stand out. 
Like to go back to my point about Jay White, why I like Jay White so much in New Japan, he stands out. Mm. But like you know, but the problem is now British. Every every story about the British wrestling scene this year has essentially been a bad one. You know, including that guy assaulting a referee after he slightly screwed up oh. the finish, and Rev Pro not really backing the ref at the first point, and you know, leaked messages of the promoter getting in touch with the wrestler who did it. Saying people are on you, you know. Re- like and wrestling, the footage is just like it's. There's been a lot of bad PR awful. across the world in wrestling, and yeah, that dude is human garbage. Because mm. he wasn't repentant at all, was he? No. And I think he's basically blackballed. Uh, and I think that guy had to have some sort of surgery or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a GoFundMe because I think there was loss of earnings as well because refing isn't. Oh, well, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. It's basically that lanky bloke and everyone else, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I ain't gonna be a referee. <laughs> well, not if everyone's like that. But that's that's no. that's the thing. It's like, thankfully, it's or, or if people are going to abuse their hairstyles. Yeah, thankfully it's rare. <laughs> thankfully. Um, but yeah, let's let's quickly talk about NXT now. Um, it's weird. Like it's it's hotter than it's ever been in one regard. It is now treated as the third brand, essentially, given their victories at the Survivor Series, which came from necessity of that Saudi plane situation. Yeah. Which is just a crazy coincidence. Um, It's now a two-hour show. That was one of the things you predicted in the past that was going to happen that didn't happen, that it would go to two hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that means it's also on national TV, and there are new expectations for it, so it's ultimately it's lost its purpose, which was to be a place... A little bit tucked away, that they can get these talent that can go through their teething problems. Mm. Now, they're just trying to pack it with loads of great matches, loads of car- you know, and they present they presented it at the Survivor Series like this is a worthy contender. So, is it going to be that come Royal Rumble time, is NXT going to be just the takeover show with a couple of surprise appearances in the Rumble, or should it be a case of ten Raw, ten SmackDown, ten NXT guys in the Rumble? Oh, they, they someone, may end up doing that. Does someone win the Royal Rumble? Whoever wins the Royal Rumble, are they saying they can now choose to challenge for the Raw, SmackDown, or NXT world title? And it becomes like the ECW world title back in the day that they could theoretically One of my favourite moments uh, is when The Undertaker's won the Rumble and they get all the free champions in the ring. Uh, there's Cena with the WWE. There's... Oh, Tista. Batista with the, the the big gold and Lashley with the ECW one and Undertaker comes down and he looks at Lashley and I'm like right you're not going to do that just just what don't waste our well, they time basically, they basically admitted it to themselves didn't they like when Tommy Dreamer would come out in the Rumble Michael Cole would say well this is one of the few people that will almost certainly challenge for the ECW title come Wrestlemania yeah like oh. and this is the problem every but time they've the, done but- but then we could see some situations where you get the surprise NXT entrant winning it. Like, a lot of people are theorizing that maybe this Rumble will be won by Keith Lee, who will then challenge for either the Raw or SmackDown title as a means of, like, immediately hot-shotting him into a situation. Oh, don't tease me with Lee Lesnar. <laughs> don't. Could you imagine Lee Lesnar if done properly? Oh my Christ, could you imagine it? Lesnar getting spirit bombed. Oh my God. Lorcan, you put this in my head now. Oh, I hate you. Okay, hate away. 
Christ, that'd be phenomenal. Wouldn't that be amazing as well, actually? Like, uh, Brock, who's who's Keith Lee going to choose? And for whatever reason, Brock Lesnar's in another match or, or he's beating up someone. Maybe, maybe the two champions are arguing with each other and they get into a fight. And then Brock Lesnar's in the corner doing his jumping up thing and then suddenly up pops Keith Just... Lee. Rises up. <laughs> like, you done fucked up now, sir. <laughs> or Lesnar, or Heyman walks to the ring and Keith Lee pounces him into the ground. <laughs> Wipes out five children in the process. <laughs> Shit, the plant's for the other side. Oh, fuck. Um, Keith Lee killed a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Paul Heyman was the weapon. <laughs> This is weird, man. So NXT is kind of... They're still doing good stuff. Spread over two hours, it's starting to spread it a bit thinner. Um, they I were never again, blessed like with AEW, Like AEW, they're going to need a bit more roster depth. So yeah. again, I think you're looking at, like I said, Marty Skirl, Bandido. Um, the UK lot. Just just fold yeah. it and, in, and, like, and just merge it. Or at least bring in a few more guys from there, like Tyler Bates, obviously. Um, Volta, if they can convince him to move to America. That's, that's the big, big question. Problem. And he's already sort of paid the penalty for that and he's like, yeah, um, yeah. roster appearances. Yeah. Um, so that was NXT. Okay. Roman Reigns. Again, talk about someone with a weird treading water pattern. Coming yeah. Back in February, in remission. Fantastic news, but he's never—they've never yet, until really the Survivor Series, painted him now as the guy. Because I don't know if it's a combination of they don't know that he's going to be fully clear for the near future, mm. or they just don't know what to do with him anymore, or the fact that the crowd likes him right now, and maybe they know if they push him too hard, they, they're suddenly going to have the fans booing Cancer Boy. Oh <laughs> God, no. You're That's right. That will happen. <laughs> because that was that was I, it. Didn't surprise me, but I was very pleasantly. Um, it was it was a pleasant experience when we went to the live events. That after the Roman Reigns situation, like whatever angle he was in, sort of in the when the cameras yeah. were off. I don't know if it was shown in the show, but he just got this really warm round of applause from the crowd that were just like, <laughs> "We're happy that you're here." And and British fans have very often been about the most vocal of, you know, it wasn't an American that wrote that sign. Roman Reigns is a wank pheasant. pheasant. You know? Yeah. My mate took Roman Reigns' fierce Yorkshire pudding sign to WrestleMania 32. <laughs> um, but then it's like, so they've never, they've never like they gave him the win over Drew McIntyre, which I get why he had to do it, but it's another one of those situations where Drew McIntyre just then loses all momentum and they keep building it again and then he loses it and they build it and he loses yeah, it. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was always a hard one because you had to find someone who was convincing as a threat but who were, who was always going to lose. Yeah. Uh, maybe someone else could have been picked for that. I, I Off the top of my head, I don't know who, but Drew's a whole... The whole loss of Drew momentum this year as well is like a whole shocking thing. Very frustrating. Because uh, he just looks, you know... <laughs> everything's there yeah Just everything's do it. there um, but I do wonder I feel like the way that it's building up I was going to be curious if this was your prediction for it I'm just running right down if it's my prediction uh, I don't have it as one of my predictions I don't have it on my list but I think I know what you're about to allude to uh, the, the, 
the the universal title match at WrestleMania 36 is the Fiend against Roman Reigns. Yes, when I was to, in the Fiend section, that was going to be how it plays out. Yeah, I have in my I have. It, it's not an official prediction, so I'm going to like send it out now. I have in my head uh, my 2020 Men's Royal Rumble winner being Roman Reigns. It seems like a very, very distinct possibility. Mm. But I do think they're still not sure what they're presenting him as. Almost as if he is just going to be a mid-card attraction that doesn't have to be put into the title scene. Kind of like The Undertaker was. Mm. Maybe that's where they look. Because then you can pull him in, you can put him out whenever, unfortunately, it might be needed in the future. You don't know. Yeah, I... I don't. I don't think they know. I still think they're not. What sure. I'll say. I think they're now. It seems like the pieces are being put in place for Roman against the Fiend. What I'll say for uh, Roman and why he's more likable um, is not just because of the phenomenal odds he's beaten, um, but when he talked about his experience with cancer, we saw the real Roman. Mm. We saw him. As a dude. And and Roman Reigns comes across, the way people talk about him, as a really like likeable man when he's just being him, when he's being Joe. Yeah. Um just but maybe maybe that... just stick to that. Maybe just but, don't overthink it. Yeah, but it's so weird, like I said, with Seth Rollins, they went with it and went with the heel turn that the crowd was clamoring for, which they never did with Roman. But now Seth is reinvigorated creatively, and Roman's never been given that. You know, Roman's never been the coolest thing on the roster or the most interesting thing on the roster. And I just don't know. I I don't think that the fans are going to boo him. No. But the worst thing is that instead they'll just have indifference, which was kind of what greeted the last Bray Wyatt WrestleMania title match. Yes. Oh, with the snake, uh, with the, 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 yeah. the, the projections like said, onto the ring. Oh, going, back to, going back to the theme, like, what is there in his match that you react to? Do you boo him? Do you cheer him? Like, when we saw him live, he came out and he was the big babyface uh, spot at the end of the night. Yeah. Where uh, in the dark segment, after they've lost their match, the OC, uh, making fun of fat, no hot women in the, hot moms in the crowd. And then Bray Wyatt comes out for two and a half, three minutes, beats up all three of them and walks away. <laughs> Two cheers. Further proof that the fiend has British MILF in his uh, Pornhub internet history. Yeah. <clears throat> Yowie, wow. <Yowie. laughs> As Deborah from Stevenage is getting ploughed. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like I said, like, I think. I think it could lead to. It seems like the WrestleMania match that's obvious, but it will lead to awkwardness. Okay, so other notes that I have. We need to start wrapping this up. David Starr's unionizing movements. To see how that goes on in the next year, I think that it will see anything. It will see a build up on the British scene. I think that's where it's going to go. I don't think it goes. Look, everyone said, look, if there was ever going to be a point where the wrestlers start unionizing, it was going to be that Saudi Arabia airplane fiasco, and they didn't. Yeah. So I don't know where it goes from here. It might have a little bit of teeth on the independent scene, but I can't see it affecting the WWE and AEW aren't giving their wrestlers health insurance either which is very frustrating so I don't know I don't know I don't know where it goes it's a great thing it's great that someone's standing up and doing something about it but I think it might be as much as anything it's just used for really intriguing storylines on on you know have you ever seen Paul Robinson's 
uh, promo against uh, the unionization movement, which he then I think he joined afterwards. So it turns out it was a bit of a work. No, I did. It's have... pretty amazing he, when he's not talking about Walter. <laughs> Uh, it's like a real working class Tory kind of speech. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so I only have two more notes. One uh, that I wanted to bring up. Oh, well, uh, three actually. One, well, four. So one was our, our trip to Manchester. Yep. Um, I Your first TV it. taping, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah, right? and I think I'll be happy for it to be my last unless I go to America. Uh, now, Nothing yeah, that important you... happened and it was bloody draining. Yeah. Now, the fact they take five hours at once. Five hours is a lot of wrestling to watch at once. No real breaks. Yeah. Like, at the end of it, when it was just that six-man tag, which had no real significance to any storyline. So it was Ricochet, o- Orton, and um, Carrillo against the OC. Um, yeah. Like, like what really bothered me, actually, more than anything, was when you go home and you find out that the biggest angle on both shows <laughs> is taped backstage and not shown to us on the drum. That would be the, the Fiend attacking Daniel Bryan. Attack Daniel Bryan. Yeah. You know? I had to send that clip to you the next day. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, oh. British fans like, aren't treated well. What, what was intriguing? Like, I wanted, I always never wanted to be like a smarky, smarky, smark, smark, smark. So I did cheer the baby faces when they came out. And I booed the heels when they came out. I booed AJ Styles. I booed um, Shinsuke Nakamura. You know, I, I did that. Uh, I didn't make a lot of noise. I'm not that kind of guy. Uh, that's why I've never been one really for live wrestling scenes because I'm not the guy that's gonna mm. get get the wrestlers motivated. No, uh, that's just me. That's just me as a person. Um, it was intriguing to go to. It was fun to go to. The price to park in Manchester City Centre is a scandal. Well, I, I I did pick an NCP. That's on me. That's on me. <laughs> um, it was. Because it was free, thanks to our connections, my connections, that made it worthwhile. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I don't like, look. If if Those they come things, again, by the way, the next time they tour, way. the next time they tour, if they're doing a show down the road where I live, and it's just a house show, I'm going to that rather than going to a TV take. House shows are an entirely different vibe. Yeah, I want to try that as an experience. That'll be a different fun experience. So it's more relaxed. A lot more. But kids, I'm also not shelling out fifty quid for that. Yeah. I was saying to you, like, I think we witnessed in front of us, in the row in front of us, two kids fall out of love with wrestling. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was just quickly looking over because I have a lot of my tickets from various events. Looking over the last house show I went to uh, was twenty quid. It was a bit of a nosebleed seat in uh, Nottingham yeah, yeah. Arena. But you, would you pay twenty quid to go to a house show? Uh, yeah, tw- if it's like down the road as well, like literally, I'm I'm like 200 yards away from the NIA. Yeah, less than that, really. So I'll, I'll fork out 20 quid to sit in a shitty nose. I assume also that those seats weren't packed, so you kind of could have gone a few more rows down. Yeah, if, if you wanted. Gone on. uh, I saw the last time I went to a house show, I did see a, a nearly a fight in the stands between <laughs> a, a group of smarks who was swearing, and a very angry dad who then became part of the problem. And one of the most heartbreaking things I've seen uh, is the nine-year-old boy trying to go, Dad, leave it, and tug in on his, like, jeans as the stewards turn up to, like, basically eject both sets of people. I think if the night, if the if the final match had gone on much longer and that one guy who just started doing woo sounds had... I think he had a broken jaw in his in his near future. Yeah. Continued. 
And, and less so, but even more annoying was the one kid behind us who thought it was like a contest. <laughs> well, look. So, look, you can't get angry at kids. No. You might want to, but you can't. And he's been influenced by an adult, so. Yeah. Oh, should have known better. Uh, also, there was one woman that was going ape shit for um, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews when they yeah. had their sort of semi-jobber match to the Viking experience. Yeah. Sorry, not the Viking experience, sorry, the Viking Raiders. <laughs> that Was that this year? Yeah. Oh, God. They went for all, so they started the year as War Raiders. Uh, they ended the year as Viking Raiders, but they were the Viking experience in the interim. The Viking experience. Yeah. But I called it. I said after that, they're going to be called the Vikings. They'll change that name to the Viking Raiders. Even Vince will see how ridiculous that name was. And that was exactly what happened. Bless. Um, so uh, that was that was my other note. Like uh, that was it was fun. In a in a in a loose definition, of the term fun in places. I'm glad I got to see it. I saw a title change hands. Woo! Uh, that was fun. There were some good matches. There was nothing exemplary. It was interesting seeing that style of wrestling in a live environment. Um, and like I was like in the large arenas, there's certain ways that, like we were saying, how intense the David Starr Jordan Devlin match was. You couldn't have that match in that kind of arena in front no. of that sort of crowd. You couldn't wrestle it at that pace. It's like how comedians that do those venues say they have to talk slower and they have to give more time for the punchlines because you have that ripple of a reaction. Mm. I've been at the back of um, the NEC for a Russell Howard uh, stand-up gig. And yeah, it's, it's a very different vibe to like going to yeah. smaller venues where yeah, I've seen I, the big Yeah, I saw Bill Burr in the NEC this year and it was a strange... He himself said, like, this is not a place to have a comedy gig. Yeah. <laughs> you know? High ceilings are not good for laughter. No. Um, but what I... Uh, it was, uh, like I said, it was a good experience. I don't really have that much to say. I don't remember a lot of it now. <laughs> that's wrestling. Uh, well, that's the whole thing. It is a lot of it. Just it's, there's nothing like you look back at those. I, that was one of the things I was going to say. Like when SmackDown to Raw happened, they had like a video of the top five events in SmackDown history in like the twenty years of SmackDown. Three of the five were from like the first two years. Yeah. One was like from one was the Brock Lesnar superplexing the Big Show spots, and the last one was from like the most recent one was from like 2011 or something like that. You know, they don't, they don't even back themselves. So that was that. My other last two notes are uh, Tessa Blanchard stuff in Impact. Yep. with Sammy Callahan really starting to reinvent what intergender wrestling. I think that's something that'll be a key flash debate point for the next few years. Um, I'm not 100% comfortable with it still. Because it is ultimately a man being violent towards a woman at various points. I get why other people are saying, you know, it's not a problem. I watched uh, the guy wrestling with the regret guy who thinks that he's not an issue. Um, I don't. I don't know yet where I stand. I, 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 I think watch a Sammy Callahan Tessa Blanchard match. Yeah, to see how it works. China was like the weird exception to the rule. Just look at her frame. Yeah, she she was and she, the way that she was being presented. Maybe. Yeah, um, I think if done well and done right, it's fine. But it, well, it's, I don't know. That, but what I will say is, if I was, are, are you if I was, the rosters together? That's the question. I wouldn't no. uh, necessarily. Um, 
the same that Eve. Uh, but if I was booking a promotion, it's a tightrope I wouldn't want to risk walking. If that makes if, sense. If I was booking a promotion, one of the first things I would do would be introduce a mixed tag team championship. Because mm. I think that's where to go. I think the like the mixed match challenge. The two years they did that, they didn't do it this year. They were a lot of fun. Mm. And I think that's an avenue you could go down. I would like to see a mixed tag team titles. Look, there are too many belts in wrestling now. Yeah. But if you if you then changed it now to one men's tag title, one women's tag title, and one mixed tag title, then you've got the same number of tag titles in the WWE as you have already. And just make mm. them floating titles that can defend it across brands, like the women's title. Uh, now they're on different networks. That's... We'll see. Well, you know, it's a weird thing. Um, that was it. And the last thing I wanted to do was Kofi Mania, but I only want to give it seven seconds. Hey! It was fun while it lasted. And I really hope they... They've got to reference it back at some point. Kofi's yeah. got to try and look for revenge. One... Because he was booked so well during the summer with Randy Orton and everything. He was made... And now it's like it never happened. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, one of my favourite hours of wrestling television in 2019 was Big E and Xavier running the tag gauntlet for Kofi. That was an emotional roller coaster, And it had like it had callbacks to previous feuds. It had surprises. It had the growth of people watching backstage with Kofi. It was so well presented. And Byron Saxton nailed commentary during Kofi Mania. And he gets a lot of flack, but as just like the guy who wants to be positive, the guy who wants to believe in the baby face, he does a bloody good job doing it. Well, I mean, they've just all signed a, a five-year contracts, haven't they? And they're all, I think they're all on like equal pay. Mm. So if there's any example of unionizing in wrestling that's worked, and that like... But it's come through them all selling money as it, like selling merch as a unit. Yeah. But they, it's obvious, I think, at this point, they've gone for five years. There's no way the WWE haven't pitched them being broken up at some point. Yeah. And they've fought against that. Well, they've got their own podcast now. Yep. Uh, I, that's actually, that's the only one of the WWE-branded podcasts I would be curious to listen to. I really want to watch. Uh, I've seen a clip where they talk about the alternate names they were pitched before they became the New Day. And one of them is the Amen. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of talk. I think there's a lot of talk right now about Big E being pushed into the main event scene. I wouldn't mind that actually. Like the New Day being there for each other, and Kofi had his time. Now it's Big E's time, and then you could even do Xavier Woods, like the most unlikely of underdogs. Yeah, you could do that storyline brilliantly as well. Yeah, well, this is it because you could mid card rotate, couldn't you? You mm, could have. Good. You've always got a tag team ready to go, and you could always feasibly have a. Uh, main eventer just like and yeah. rotate them yeah absolutely why not and it's so long as they keep making that big merch money do it just okay. ride the wave so now we, we just we genuinely are coming up to the two out we probably have surpassed to our mark at this point so let's get onto our mount rushmore's and our 2020 predictions what do we want to do first mount rushmore moments of 2019 or 2020 predictions uh 2020 predictions okay do you want to go first or second I think uh, people who have listened to previous years should know that it's best for me to go first. <laughs> okay, uh, the one I alluded to at the start, because I am a glutton for punishment, I am going to get it out of the way. I have written down my pick to win Money in the Bank oh this God. year. It's not going to be like Rhea Ripley, is it? 
could win. And that's the men's, and it's the men's one. No, it is the men's. I'm picking. Okay, Adam Cole. Okay, I think with undisputed area in his corner, uh, it can make him a threat, and then maybe they could start like turning up at other shows, threatening to take a title to NXT, and then you could play off of that. I think it's got great storyline potential. Um, Actually, one of the ones I was considering was predicting that United uh, Undisputed Era would break up. That was one Matt, one uh, prediction I was considering, and that at one of the NXT takeovers we get a a fatal four way match between Cole, O'Reilly, Fish, and Strong. See, I'd love that. So yeah, I, if if I lose and we get that, I'll take it. But that's prediction number one. Okay. Because uh, I. Because I love trying to pick winners for things. Um, prediction number two. G1 2020 winner. Switched by Jay White. Okay. He's following the Kotribushi uh, pattern of runner-up one year, winner the next. Yeah, I think even if he wins the belts, he won't have them for long. And because okay. the G1's later in 2020, it gives more time for I'll him. I'll be honest, I see him more winning the New Japan Cup than I do the G1, necessarily. Okay. Go on, continue. Uh, I am going for... Uh, I'm going to go for the safer ones, because uh, I've already like done two mad ones, like semi-mad ones. Um, I'm going to go for Baszler Lynch... At Wrestle- will happen at Wrestlemania uh, I will have it high on the card not necessarily the main event not the main event or not necessarily I think you should make that not the main event not the main event yep I'll, I'll pin my colours to the mast yep. um, apparently Vince wasn't very happy with the uh, women's triple threat match as it was going on at the Survivor Series yeah I yeah that was a weird match mm. um Okay, I'm going to pick another WWE one, and I know it's free when you factor in that NXT is a WWE brand, but then I'm going to give a... Depending on what your predictions with, I'm going to give some outside alternates. Um, but I am going for the four safer ones. Tyson Fury wrestles at WrestleMania. Ooh, so you got to assume that Tyson Fury is winning against Deontay Wilder on February. Yeah, I'm going to... I... so banged up that he can wrestle. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? You could have it where you could get Deontay as well. Like Vince might pitch that. <laughs> I think he'd be too prideful to go, unless it was another draw. Mm. Um, what are your predictions? What were your backup predictions then? Well, I don't really want to say until right, you've okay, done okay. four, just in case okay. I, I step on you. All right. So here are my backup predictions. One, like I said, is um, already happened is happening one that that was that new japan would take its first steps towards bringing women into their roster because their parent company bushy road has just bought stardom and there is going to be a stardom exhibition match on the wrestle kingdom show but it won't be aired and apparently there's already some uh social conservative viewpoints that are being aired that don't like this idea at all because i was thinking like towards maybe even an by the end of this year, there being an IWGP Women's Championship, but maybe that won't be the case. Yeah, Japan's got very specific <coughs> attitudes to very to certain things, so that's going to take time. Uh, another backup prediction was going to be that Keith Lee is on Raw or SmackDown by June. Okay, yeah. But again, these are backups. These aren't the official ones. 
Um, Tony Storm becomes NXT Women's Champion. Oh, oh, the main brand. Okay, yeah. That was another backups uh, prediction. And my last backup prediction was that Tessa Blanchard signs to WWE. Okay. Um, but these are my three. These are my four official ones. AEW will run a show or announce that they're going to run a show in 2021. In 2020. And by that I mean they will have a date and a venue. And you can buy tickets. Right, okay. Um, right. There will be an AEW show in the UK in 2020. Or at least a date and a venue announced in 20- for 2021. Well, they've already announced that they're going to try and do a 2021. Alright, well then they will run a show in 2020. Okay. They can say they plan to, but that can be just until you get the specifics. Yeah, because I had that, but that's a crossed out backup I have. Another former World or WWE champion will leave the WWE for AEW. Okay. Or maybe not, I'll I'll add an intercontinental champion. I can win this. Someone who held a significant title in the WWE will leave for AEW. Old of you to call the IC title significant in 2019. Uh, Significant enough. (laughs) <laughs> one of these three men will be in the G1 Climax final Sonada, Evil or Will Ospreay one of those three men will reach the G1 Climax final okay yeah I could see that it's a good spread you've got there and my final prediction is that XFL will be dead by the end of the year oh I forgot about XFL Oh, that, I feel that's your safest that we've been one. Able to forget XFL for a yeah. while. So you've got. I think you've got a little bit safer than me, but I'm not mad at the ones you've picked. Is that is that I've gone safer or you've gone dumber? <laughs> I'm going <quite> dumb. <laughs> um, that's just my smack talk. What were your backups? My backups: uh, Ring of Honor to fold, stroke reboot. The one I've already said, uh, I had to like cross it out in the last week because I learned that they're actually announcing that UK, they're going to do some UK dates, AEW coming to the UK. Um, but obviously you've said there's a difference between action and words, so your yeah. prediction still stands. Uh, US new... All right, okay, okay, I'll make it. AEW will run a show in the UK before October. Okay. All right. Uh, and my final back of backup... Uh, New Japan USA to send a representative to the G1 and possibly there be a tournament in New Japan USA where the winner gets a G1 berth. I can see something like that. Or at the very least, the best of the Super Juniors. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So now we'll go to our Mount Rushmore. These are what we consider to be our definitive moments of WW... Sorry, of 2019 Mm. as a whole. Okay. Uh, Simon? Uh, yeah, let me just alter one, because slightly. Yep. Okay, so, in no particular order, John Moxley's debut at Double or Nothing, Mm -hmm. the launch of AEW as an alternative. Do you mean the the New Year's Day announcement, or the press conference, or... I will take the first episode of Dynamite because that's when it actually became a thing. That's going to be. Oh, a I'll, I'll just say quickly one of the, one of my favorite things about Dynamite has been, and a few people have said this, hearing how happy Tony Schiavone is and how much he loves wrestling again. Yeah, 
that's been one of the real positives of this year. Such a good commentator. Yeah. Um, speaking of positives, no way I couldn't have this. Roman Reigns returning as a moment. I'm in remission, y'all. I'm having it. Uh, and because of the barriers it breaks, because it shows how someone can carve their own path on social media, uh, because it had someone who was is still quite green wrestling and was most of the way decent, and because it had all the bells, whistles, and was given the opportunity and therefore earned the platform, WrestleMania's main event. Should Charlotte have been there? You, you could have got away with saying she didn't need to be there. Mm. But looking at how early the story started, maybe having Charlotte added to it, give yeah. it the legs to carry it over the line. Not that I it wouldn't it have carried it over the line itself, but it kept it added a fresh element, which gave it a whole new and it did also layer. work within the overarching story of Becky fighting against the system and yes. the people that have been chosen. But... And Charlotte um, imitating her dad by landing by helicopter. Yeah. And it also means that she was the only one of the four horse women, or really the whole women's roster, that didn't get that singles match with Ronda, which you assume is what's going to happen in the future. Oh, she'll get it. So as long as that happens, then it's just about okay. The story that was being told to me should have been Becky Ronda. Mm. But I can also understand why they thought Charlotte brings a quality... Of wrestling, yes, it, it covers match the it covers a very green wrestler being her being in a triple threat rather than a singles match. Yeah, but I also think that you know, look, I, I've said it before. If we count it as a celebrity match, then Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey against Triple H and Stephanie is probably the greatest celebrity wrestling match of all time. One of you know, I no, you know you I love, love Floyd. Floyd Big Show. You love your Floyd. Um, okay, so my backup predictions were. Kofi winning the title at WrestleMania and then losing it in seven seconds. Oh no, please no. I've got to, I've got to say definitive. I'm not just going with positive stuff. I'm going yeah. with stuff that I think encapsulates the year. Yeah. Okay. CM Punk appearing on Fox TV and the fact that that's only a supporting character, CM Punk's return. Because weirdly, in 2018, one of our key points of discussion was, is CM Punk now finally an irrelevance? And weirdly, maybe he is. Mm, but maybe he's. Because I, I thought I thought of predicting CM Punk versus Seth Rollins, but I don't know that that will happen yet. No. But it feels inevitable at some point CM Punk's walking into a WWE ring and wrestling again. Maybe. Um. And my other backup one was the Kenny Omega versus John Moxley match at the AEW pay per view and the uh, furore that it created afterwards okay on both sides of the argument um i don't think there's any mutuals there is there no but those are my backup ones ah, okay I'm not, I'm not into my definitive ones these are my four choices number one aw mostly beats nxt in the tv ratings but they are pretty much around the same level yeah but there's significance to that and WWE are throwing things at NXT to try and get it to beat AEW. And the return of the Wednesday Night Wars, essentially. The the debut of the Wednesday Night Wars. And suddenly everyone talking about key demographics as if they know what they're talking about. Yeah. I've got the finish to the Hell in the Cell match between Seth Rollins and The Fiend. 
WWE giving themselves an unnecessarily difficult corner to fight out of and them then doing it in the worst way possible. Okay. And and also tied into that was the watch along. They were doing an X-Pac just flat out saying, you don't end cage matches in a DQ. Yeah. Uh, God bless him being there. Because he tells... I like I like him as someone who can analyse the current product. Because yeah. he, he tells... And you, can tell it, and you can tell he's still a fan. Yeah. Like he, 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 again, like Edge and Christian, then, he was kind of one of the first fans to make mm. it, you know? Uh, I, I'm going to give our mutual one now, uh, before I give my last one. The mutual one being women main eventing WrestleMania. Cool. And I genuinely don't think this is the last time women... Made. It's not going to be a one-off. Mm. I think, like, we're not doing predictions for the decade in our next episode. <laughs> no. But one of my predictions, if we were, will be that there'll be at least one more WrestleMania with a women main event. I think that's a safe prediction. Um, and my final... So that was our definitive one, women main eventing WrestleMania. But I just want our final Mount Rushmore moment of the year to be... Ooh! A little bit of the bubbly! <laughs> I'll allow it. Well, yeah, because Jericho... You as say about all the shit that the internet provides. Yeah. It also produces that. Jericho rushed it this year. We had his spoof of Cody's video package. Yeah. We had... It was really... Someone was saying it's like if WCW had kept Chris Jericho and built his character to be a main eventer, this is the Chris Jericho we would have gotten. Like, this is the continuation of the... And maybe that's why he looks so happy doing it. Yeah. He looks so happy. Creative freedom. Yeah, le champion, and just the fact that he can reinvent himself and and you know the lexicon. Yeah, and <laughs> le I, champion. So... I don't think lexicon means what he thinks it means. No, but that, you're going to tell him it works. <laughs> it's him looking stupid. It's brilliant, uh, and with him apparently holding that meeting about how tag team wrestling needs to be done in AEW, I like the fact he's there as someone there is... who's non elite. There is definitely a sense still within AEW the inmates running the asylum. Yeah. Like, as much as Vince McMahon drives you crazy, you need a Vince McMahon there that's going to take it all and make the decision. Well, it's that old phrase, isn't it? A camel is a horse designed by committee. Yeah, and that's what AEW right now is. It's a wrestling camel. Yeah. What? A wrestling dinosaur. Now, come on. I was about to say, there, were, there could well be in the next decade Luchasaurus versus Larry the Wrestling Camel. Maybe, maybe, maybe. It'll be a main event as well. Um, that was another thing I was thinking of predicting, like, uh, there being a pay-per-view main evented by MJF versus Hangman Page. I think that's where they want to go, but also it's obvious that they're trying to do something different with Hangman Page at the moment. Yeah. So that's not a prediction, but, you know. We need to talk more about AEW. Uh, I need to watch more AEW. You um, do. But, you know, it's just, I have my life. Yeah. And it's, um... we'll, talk more about it. we'll talk more about it in the 2010 stuff, but there's certain elements of the wrestling culture now that and just culture in general that's starting to make me just want to peel away from pop culture. Mm. I don't know how much of it I can deal with that much anymore. <laughs> but I'll reserve that for an experience that I had this year when we talk about fandom in our next episode. Because we have one more episode left, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully it'll be out on the 31st. Might be a bit later. But we are going to talk about the 2010s in review. And then that's going to be it from us for a while Unless Dave Meltzer gives out any five star ratings in the interim of our during our, our sabbatical. So knowing that Wrestle Kingdom's coming up, we'll probably see you in two weeks. <laughs> Very yeah. 
almost certainly. For less than that, actually. Uh, yeah. But uh, if people want to get in touch with us between those two weeks, Simon, how can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm signing as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the number of mem- for the f- number of family members in Luchasaurus's adoptive family. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N, as in Beano Annual. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you want to put an it at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. One of our New Year's resolutions is that we're going to actually do stuff with our social media, isn't it, Simon? It is indeed. It is indeed our manager of social media. Shut up! But there is nothing left for us to say at this point, except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a good time. Until the next time. Now in the WWE, guys have 10, 12 years storylines. Yeah. Say, here's one. Say Lars Sullivan turns up and just offhand it's mentioned, like Alexa Bliss makes an advance towards him and backstage and he goes, and she goes, I can make this very useful for you. And he just goes, oh, I'm, I'm gay. And then yeah. just walks off. And... <laughs> <laughs> I love it in that exact cadence. <laughs> nah, I'm gay. And then just <laughs> next seg, and you know, a book of tea. And just so like. that's something that's always underneath. And then maybe three years down the line, he gets into a relationship with someone, or or he, you know, and and maybe Lars Sullivan in real life is straight. I don't know if he's straight or gay. But could Lars Sullivan therefore then play the Lars Sullivan character as gay, and for him to be gay throughout the entirety of that storyline? Because people don't, unlike Mickey James, the vast majority of people don't just switch. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. No, no, yeah, you could, you absolutely. Do you, know where, do, do you get where I'm coming? Yeah, from? no, I, a, I get it. If you I'm, do a gay storyline, it can't just be that one storyline. It yeah. needs to carry through. Two years later. <gasps> uh oh.